Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the Finger Gunners podcast. My name is Roscoe. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thanks for asking. I'm joined by Miles Thompson. Hello, once again, good sir. Hello there. How are you? Hello there. Yeah, I'm all right. Thanks. How are you doing? Good. I uh, convinced a friend of mine this week to play Lego Star Wars. Star Wars. Oh my god, did they love it? They have never sat through all nine films. They've only seen the prequels. And I've said, <laughs> what? this is this is. I a was really... just counting how long it would take for you guys to mention this game. <laughs> I mean, it, I'm surprised it took that long. To be honest, we yeah. even said hello first. <laughs> um, I said this is a really quick way to get caught up on all the films. So instead of watching the films, they're now playing the saga. So there we go. And you get the best version of the sequel movies, which suck. So <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> Cat! La- Last Jedi was good. Oh, unbelievable. Look at this. Not doing it Cats! again. I'm not. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. How's it going? Last, Last Jedi was good. Thank you very much indeed, Greg, for that confirmation. I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm in the opposite position. Well, the thing is, people call every Star Wars thing prequels or sequels or the first ones and not the first ones. So I'm in a similar position to your friend where I've not seen the newer ones. I've only seen like the ones with Jar Jar Binks in and Anakin in. So I'm probably okay. better off playing the game too. So, so yeah, you're similar position. So these are the prequels that you've seen. Okay. Um, so yeah. It's yeah, weird, isn't it, off, when you say you've, you've seen the prequels, but then you have then technically seen them in order yes mm-hmm. yeah, yeah that's what i'm saying is that like people call it's, them it's weird stuff it's, it's because weird, it's like isn't it? in a different timeline but they were it made first good. it's yeah, yeah so you, you've started you've started in the right you started one two three yeah oh yeah <laughs> yeah oh yeah oh yeah oh, i think yeah. that was like oh, more yeah. of a parent's influence because i was so young at the time they were like you will sit down and watch this video <laughs> <laughs> you will sit down and watch these films i mean phantom menace did give us all of the fates though so true it's true it's true and miles talks about all of the face a lot oh my god honestly it's just so good like, <laughs> i do find myself occasionally it. just just humming going yeah it just comes into my and you're like oh there's a lot of the heavy lifting in the obi-wan kenobi trailer i found that's how good it is it can make a trailer that's okay and turn it into something spectacular like the moment it started everyone was like chills and you've heard him already about a hundred times. Greg Hicks. Greg Hicks, the impatient. Yes, how you doing, man? <laughs> I'm good. I'm obviously a lot better than I was last time I came on a podcast. Mm. I'm. I can breathe. I don't have the COVID anymore, which is great. Excellent. Very good news. Is that your new sofa that you're sitting on right now? It's amazing. I'm not moving my laptop to pad out, but yeah, we we got our sofa after nine weeks of ordering it. It's fucking huge. Mm. It's really really big. Like I took the measurement of the the length of the sofa, which is uh just a bit bigger than my king size mattress but it's really tall like the cushions are quite high i don't think you can really gauge the you know the height from here and it's a corner sofa but even like lying on the corner bit my feet don't reach the end wow um we, we got it on you know when dfs do their sale when it's like oh it's half price i reckon mm-hmm. it's not i reckon it's the price they sell them for but they they, they do like an insane markup to reduce them but yeah, are they ever are, are they ever not doing a sale well, it's always, isn't it? It's always like, oh, it was originally 1600 Now it's 700 pounds. It's like, mm. you mean it's a 700 quid sofa? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, we, we we got it on two years interest-free, so 16 quid a month each. Nice. And it's comfortable, everything, very happy. Oh, it's great. And it's just nice that, like, for anyone that's has seen on Twitter, you've seen my setup where I'm just sat on my PC chair. And PC chairs are great for sitting at a desk. But when you're trying to play a game and you're sort of trying to relax back, it, it doesn't work. Mm. 
Yeah, so um, oh, it's nice to be able to watch films on my TV again. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. I'm very happy for you, mate. You're fine. It's all coming together at last. Good times. Um, right, let's kick off, as ever, with our game of the week. Miles Thompson, your game of the week. You always tend to pick me on the weeks when I have a game I don't like. <laughs> I was going to pick you anyway, because you're actually on the pod. Mm, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you're always going We've yeah. we've had this before. It doesn't have to be a good game though. Like you could just yeah. it could be a warning of the game of the week. Like you've been playing this because it's like, as a as a warning to people. Yeah, I feel like I've had a few of those, and this is another one. <sighs> it's a nightmare. It sucks. I really didn't like it at all. Um, so it's like a adventure, like horror type game. Um, it's kind of like a top down, but not in like a traditional sense. Like the camera is just awful in general, but it's like weirdly zoomed in, but also not. And it's one of those really fixed cameras. You can't rotate it. You can't make it move left or right or anything. And you play as this kid called Bill and the cutscene shows him go to sleep. And then he opens his eyes and there's this big, scary Lady Dimitrescu like looking lady coming at him. And then she disappears and you wake up and then you start the game. So that's all the insight you get. Um, the story is actually kind of dark. So like as you go through the levels, they're like parts, it'll be like an office or like his room or like a house or a forest or school or whatever. So it's all like tied into like his life and his backstory. And he's been going through like these nightmarish versions of each one. Um, you find like objects that tie back to his past that kind of explain why he's having all these horrifically traumatic nightmares. Um, and it gets into some really deep stuff like there's neglect like abuse uh, abandonment all sorts of bits but it's not like told to you there's no dialogue there's no kind of like cutscene exposition it's all just through notes and story dialogue um in the review i mentioned it that <laughs> the problem with it is that every note that you read is some kind of typo or sentence structure fail or grammatical flop which just makes it really hard like at one point bill's written a note and he's talking about like the school teacher at school's like not being very nice to him and then like this kid's like a few years old maximum he's not a very old kid he starts talking about why is she like manipulating me and i was like he's a fucking kid how would he know that his teacher's manipulating him that's the whole point of why he's like weirded out by it so the story is not exactly uh particularly well told in that way um the gameplay is also suitably not very good either it's very like clunky like if you try and jump like before a certain point then it just doesn't trigger so you just fall off the end it's oh, everything just sucks like you're meant to stealth around the enemies but it's quicker to just run past them because they can't keep up with you so you can just sprint past you get like these little things called dream orbs that stun them so if they catch up to you just throw one down they get stunned and then you just run on all the puzzles are like really rudimentary where it's more just about like running around and moving stuff than actually doing any puzzle solving and i just got to like chapter four out of six i was like i just don't want to play any more of this it's just not any fun to play um and yeah it's just it's one of those games that like it's got some cool ideas in it but it just doesn't do any of them at all like not even functionally well it's just not very good to play at all um and yeah, I kind of made myself play as much of it as I could. And then I got to one particular puzzle where every time you screw up, it resets you at the start. And this, the game does it throughout of like, if you die at any point, you go back to before a little cutscene. You have to watch the cutscene, do all the progress you already did, and then get to the same point. If you fuck up again, it sends you, I'll just, it sent me back about four times. I was like, I just don't want to do this anymore. So it was just awful. <laughs> so um, yeah, the full write-ups on the website, but I just don't recommend it. It's not not a good game to play. Sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, it was pretty nightmarish, I've got to say. 
That's why it's finger guns, you see. <laughs> oh dear, I'm sorry to hear that, man. I'm sorry oh, to hear that. Yeah, it was a tough one. You sounded really pissed off when you were describing it. Oh, honestly, like playing it, I was so irrationally angry at it. I was like, I know it's trying, but just try harder, just be better. And it just wasn't. And every time I tried to think, okay, maybe the next bit better. No, it just got worse. Like yeah. it just is bad. And I just, even describing it makes me like, angry at it. Okay. Okay. We'll move on. We'll move on. It's right. Please. Thanks. Um, Gad, your game of the week. First of all, that sounds shit. Glad I didn't take that up. <laughs> um, like I was genuinely like looking around. I was getting bored of your description of the game. Um, and then I had to remember oh. that I had to listen. So I don't know what a reflection of that's on you. What the game? I'm not sure. Um, I'm kidding. Um, so my game of the week, I can't talk about. and But I do have a game gripe of the week. And I thought I'd talk about that instead, you know. Because why not? Otherwise, I'm just going to be sat here with no game of the week. So my game gripe of the week are games that decide it's really fucking cool to, as you can tell, I'm really annoyed at this, um, to not have a chapter select or a place to restart where you have explored. So I, and for context, I was on my way to platinuming Lost and Random, and I had followed this because it said, like, you have to follow this guide meticulously, blah, blah, blah. And I followed this guide meticulously for about 17 hours, right? Now, in, uh, What just happened? What? What just happened? Mm-mm. I'm so glad we got that on video, but what just no, happened? That was a wasp, wasn't it? <laughs> that was 100% a wasp. fucking bee I've ever seen in my life. Doesn't matter. Anyway, yeah, I've got, like, an irrational fear to bees and wasps, but, like, that was just, it just felt like it was... <laughs> Anyway, sorry about that. Yeah, Ooh, that was awful. Um, if I if that had come in the room, I'd actually lost my shit, and you'd have recorded that forever, and probably just like replayed it in slow mo for everyone to see. Anyway, yeah. So playing off some random for about seventeen hours, I literally followed this guide meticulously. Like, yeah, blah blah. blah. Anyway, the, the status quo was is that each world you can always explore, but just don't do the la- like don't do the last mission because you won't be able to move on fine I can do that and that's exactly the kind of formula it followed is that it was pretty kind of you know you can explore you can go back you can go forward blah 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 blah. so I did that for four worlds then I got to the fifth world and it was like a mountain and it kind of like circled up like a little mountain volcano thing and it didn't say anywhere anywhere in this guide be careful about world five because for some fucking reason we've decided to change our bloody tune and you can't go back but you still need to complete the amount of side missions. There's no manual save. There's no nothing. So after 17 hours, I decided to explore a little more because, of course, why the fuck not? Only to have a wall close up on me and I completely soft lock myself up the whole platinum. There's no chapter select. There's no restarting the whole mission. There's no restarting your whole checkpoint. You would have to do the game all over again. So fuck you, Lost and Random. That's my game gripe of the week. I couldn't believe it. I tried everything. I was like, maybe if I just try and reload my save. Maybe if I... Nope, because it auto-saved. As soon as that little wall came up behind me, because apparently I'm going up the mountain, not down, even though there's like five side quests. Mm. Not anywhere. No guide, no nothing said, don't do this in World 5. So... So thank you for that. So when you when you look at my PSMP or whatever you want to do, if you do look at people's trophies, if you've got me on PlayStation, and you see, you know, like Lost and Random has like 92%. Don't worry. I'm fucking well aware. I'm just not doing that game again. 
I was so angry. I was so angry. And then I just didn't care about the rest of the trophies. I was like, no, I'm not even making an effort to do it now. So it's a good game. But if, if you like to collect trophies for no other reason than it looks pretty digitally <laughs> and the numbers <laughs> all equal 100 because there's literally no point in collecting trophies other than for your own, you know, challenge, then, uh, yeah, play it. But if you, if you want to collect it, then just w- watch out for Wild 5. All right. Keep that in mind, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I'm um, sorry to hear that. That sounds rough. It is. I know for someone who collects trophies, that's like the most ungive a shitable offense for games ever. But like, but yeah, that, that yeah. fucking sucked. That does suck, man. That's rough. Oof. Well, there you go. Lost in random. If you're listening and you're making a game, make a chapter select. Just make a fucking chapter select. Like, it's not fucking hard. Just don't auto save. It's not fucking hard. No. It's really easy, apparently. <laughs> Calling to cat. It's really easy to do, do that. You can fucking do that. That'd be great. <laughs> Uh, Gregory, good sir, your game of the week. I've been playing Hitman, the 2016 version. Um, I got Toby's copy of Hitman 3 and then have, because I had Hitman 2, the gold edition, uh, or deluxe edition, gold edition, one of the two. I could play the content from that. And then the last PlayStation sale, they were doing the same thing with Hitman 1's. Hitman 1's content. Uh, so you, you just completely derailed me there. <laughs> um, you're also a mute, Ross. Ah, yes, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, yeah, something was digging into my back. It turns out it was Sonic's nose. A spine. So, yeah. Do continue. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, just short and sweet. Just been playing through that again. I finished Hitman 3's story. I think I must have not finished Hitman 1 and 2's final missions back when I've had them in previous states and consoles and now i'm just going through them again there is so much in those games and i'd love to have the time to explore like i used to do with our like blood money and contracts and that kind of stuff um i have been doing the mission stories which make life easier but then it's just nice to go back and they don't always give you everything like the mission stories for the uninitiated are like the hand-holding bits of hitman like they will you'll overhear someone say this and it'll be like oh he's allergic to i don't know a certain type of he has a like his target has a particular drink he likes and it's like you know he's gonna drink from this thing so you get some emetic poison and you poison them and he either lethally dies or you make it go and shit himself so you strangle him on the toilet that kind of stuff so they're the hand-holding missions which are fine if you just want to see the story and then obviously you can go back and learn the mastery of the levels and do more challenges and all that kind of jazz um so i'm kind of like half and half i'll do some of the mission stories i'll go off exploring you know constant save states and reloading and stuff like that and then if I get spotted, my brother and I were fanning about last night, um, got spotted. So I was running around with a hatchet and it sounds quite sociopathic to say it on here. But when you throw things in Hitman, obviously, if it's lethal, you'll get like a, or even if it's not lethal, you get like a, a headshot target type thing. But if they're running, and this is where the infamous homing suitcase came from. So if people are running and they run around a corner, whatever you're throwing will follow them. So you think physics would dictate that you throw it and they move and it misses and you go oh damn as long as you've got a lock on and you've you've done the animation of throwing something if they run so just watching this hatchet just go around corners and hit people was satisfying until i got shot and then reloaded and tried doing it properly but yeah no that's that's it really just if you haven't played the hitman 2016 
reboot as it were i know it got a lot of flack for being episodic but if you've got a chance to get the whole collection or you know like i've done and piecemeal it and that kind of stuff it's really good and it's a good story as well and yeah that's been my sort of my dabble in between getting better and worse at elden ring all that kind of jazz yeah yeah i've always heard good things about the new hitman trilogy so well i mean after after the shittiness of absolute what well, absolution wasn't shit i played a lot of it but it was very deviant from the normal formula like blood money was great and then they went, well, oh, let's do something else. And Absolution was just a bit shit. Mm. So it was it's just, just that nun level that killed it, wasn't it? It was a lot. It was very linear. Like Hitman is known for having big, expansive levels and choose your own options and stuff like that. And barring the last mission of Hitman 3 on this one, which I won't spoil, these ones have gone back to it. But yeah, Hitman Absolution was just follow the breadcrumb trail. Like here are your three targets. Here is one. And then you move to the next bit and here's the other one. It's not like the old ones where you could take them in any approach and this new one allows you to do that. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a return to form and, and obviously having it on PS5 and having the upgraded content from like the PS4 version and Xbox one version of Hitman one and two upgraded for PS5 is just. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really cool thing about Hitman three, isn't it? You can replay the originals in. Kind of yeah. Like I don't know how it is. Like, cause I, I don't know if it's cloud or if it's cause it's not downloaded the Hitman one and two games. Cause that'll be a massive file, but. Mm. I don't know what wizardry it is if it's just streaming it, but it works for me. Cool. Nice one. And you? What is your game of the week? Well, after last week, or the week before, of me shitting all over Apple Arcade, I found a game on Apple Arcade. <gasps> and I was like, God damn, this game's awesome. Um, it wasn't Hello Games 1. I haven't started that yet, so I really should. But it was a game called Lego Builder's Journey. Yeah. Um, it's a game that's currently on uh, PSN and Xbox just came out on consoles. Um, and it's just a, a really lovely puzzler. If you can imagine something like Monument Valley, where you're kind of uh, moving, navigating yourself across these really beautiful lands, landscapes, it's a Lego version of Monument Valley, essentially. Okay. Um, and it's it's just a really it's a really sweet game. It's a lovely game to play on an iPad because like you've got that big touch screen and it just it navigates itself really nicely with with kind of like touch controls. It's and that's a soothing re- soundtrack. Very much so, yeah. It's yeah, very ASMR, isn't it? It's like, mm. yeah. It's yeah really, I was really watching nice. someone share play. It was really cool. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's just a lovely little game. Um, that's I've been really at work most, mostly this week, so that's pretty much what I've been playing. Uh, primarily is uh, a little bit of Lego Builder's Journey. It's uh, it's been it's been perfectly lovely, perfectly lovely. To uh, yeah, but the rest of Apple like it is shit. So don't don't subscribe. Uh, all right then. It's quiz time. K-Dog, are you ready? Always, always ready. Are, are yeah. you guys ready? No. I freaking go. I'm ready to I'm, get I'm ready to get trounced. Uh, but I've I'm still really high on a cloud from uh from last week's demolition. Should we call it, should we call it a demolition? We call you can it call it a demolition. Call it whatever you want. <laughs> You've earned it. Whatever you want. Um, so this week's theme is just news because I couldn't think of a theme and the theme that I want this to do would have taken a really, 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 really long time. Um, so I'm not going to do that. So it was just news based. So if you've been reading the news, then you'll probably do well. If you've not been reading the news, then oh, probably going to suck. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> you probably won't do so well. Um, but it's also maybe slightly movie themed as well. There's a lot of movie-esque questions in here. Just because there's been a lot of movie game news. Um, but yeah, so... Um, would you like to tell me your buzzers? Greg, oh, God. kick off. Whilst... Ouch! Okay. Oh, hello. Miles? Who knows where that's from? Just 
<laughs> right. What's Miles' problem? What's mine problem? Go on. No, I don't. I can't. I, I can't recognize. I can recognize it. But I don't know what it is. Go on. I'll just. I'll play it again. See if you get it. Just peachy. It's not bullet stuff. No, it's not bullet stuff. You've all played it, Ross. You've played this recently. GTA. Yeah. Is it Trevor? Oh, Trevor. Is it? That's Trevor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, you can hear it now. Like now yeah, you yeah, said yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's mine? Good old though? Stephen Og. What was yours again? Oh, it's gonna it sounds like Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. It's like <laughs> something out of Heavy Rain. Nah. Ouch! Ouch! Hang on, if I do. Son! Be careful. Oh, is it Resident Evil? I'm just about to say, is it Resident Evil? And also, poisonous. Ugh. Is it two? <laughs> no, it's the original one. It's, it's the original. Oh, who's the one who? Ouch. Who's the one who dies? It's the one who dies, isn't it? It's Richard. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, Ross, which Sonic orgasm do you have for me this week? Just a classic. Rich has got a better orgasm. Oh actually. my god, I remember this in my life. <laughs> oh my god. What website is this on? <laughs> uh, just realmofdarkness.net. It's, the, it's, it's, like... it's where I got my soundboards from. Yeah, Only games. Where I get mine from, I don't give yeah. yeah, just <laughs> literally just went Resident Evil. Oh, it, it's under as ah. Well, the other one is ouch. Ah, uh, that makes sense. Oh shit, Miles! I've just noticed. You know, I said that I had a um a T-shirt with the um Render the Sith speech on it. Yes. Oh my god, you're wearing it, aren't you? You were the chosen <laughs> one. That's so good. It's the initials of the entire thing. That's so good. Sorry, I've just you were my brother Anakin. <laughs> I loved you. Yeah, it's all there. It's all there. Right, sorry. Uh, cool. Are we cool. ready? <laughs> Just had to go, Miles, look! What a detail, I love it. I love it. <laughs> right, are you ready? Yeah. Yeah. Fabulicious. Uh, so for anybody who's listening for the first time, I'm going to read out the question. Someone's going to buzz in. They're going to get the question. If they get the question wrong, they get frozen out. Feel free to play along at home. Um, so question one. Uh, which actor is pipped to produce the game to film adaption for uh, it? To- uh, Amy Ross. Dwayne Rock Johnson. Oh, for fuck's yes. sake. And he's apparently going to reportedly star in it too, but I can't imagine him being the geeky dad. So. Oh, that's going to be a bit odd. Yeah. Maybe he'll be the the love book guy. Oh, maybe yeah. Maybe he'll be the voice for it. A bit yeah, too close to Jumanji. That. A bit too close to Jumanji. Draken. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Question <laughs> two. What sequel was announced this week by Gearbox? Uh, oh. Josh Amy. Ross. Tales from the Borderlands 2. <laughs> yes. Well done. Um, question three. What is now the official title of the Dungeons & Dragons movie? It was released this week. The official title. I can give you a hint. Oh, Greg? Dungeons and Dragons 2, suck it nerds, we're making a second one. <laughs> no, <laughs> suck it nerds. I was going to think of a funny name for it, but I don't think I can match that. No. But the first film was shit. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't nope. know. Nothing. No, any kind of guess? You want me to give you a hint? Nope. You don't want me to give you a hint? Oh, Dungeons and Dragons, Dragons and Dungeons. <laughs> No, it was called Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Um, <laughs> I, I prefer Suck It Nerds, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, I think Greg's was better. 
Yeah. Uh, question four from the creator of John Wick. Which movie is coming um, in the next couple uh, years? Uh, Amy. Streets of Rage. Yeah. Greg, I feel like our uh, lot of tanning, our attendance here is a little bit unneeded. Yeah. Hi. Sorry, my, my, my job has me driving a van all day and I haven't got time to read the news. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, in the last month, what game company was sued by a professional choreographer for using his dance moves in their game? Ouch! Amy! It's got to be Epic Games, surely. I'm sorry, who got there first? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Greg? Well, I'm going to say Epic Games. You are correct. Yeah. Is it from Fortnite? Yeah. Donald Faison and Alfonso Ribeiro have both tried suing, haven't they? Yeah, two sues in the past, and this is the third one. Oh my god! Um, so they're not, they're not, they're not shy about it. They're not shy about just outright. And the um, backpack kid. Apparently, they, oh, they tried to yeah. sue for that one as well. Um, so, question six: uh, A fan recently made a Game Boy version remake of a witch game. Uh, uh, Ross. Elden Ring. Yes, you are correct. Don't sound so disappointed. No, I, yeah, you're correct. You got it. <laughs> yeah, now, now, now you know how I feel when I used to have my winning streak. <laughs> oh, Greg's Greg's got the cancer right again. <laughs> um, question seven. No, I'm so happy for you. I'm happy for all of you. Um, mm-hmm. to the. <laughs> Why are you happy for me? I haven't got one yet. <laughs> no, I'm happy for you. I'm happy oh, for Greg. Okay. Greg yeah, fuck no, me. <laughs> um, okay. Question seven. To the nearest million, how many copies did the Star Wars saga launch? Launch breaking its own record. Uh, uh, Amy Ross, give someone else a go. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't, I don't know the answer. Three point two million. You even got it to the. <laughs> it's almost like he's biased because he likes the game. <laughs> Yeah, it's almost like I read the news start of the week to keep up on for, for podcast topics. I don't know. It's true. It's true. Okay, no more news ones after this then. <laughs> um, okay, uh, you had one... a week. You had a week to go over the quiz. <laughs> Do you want to go on the next one? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I just won't be on the podcast, so you know. <laughs> yeah, you can send it in and just yeah, exactly. turn up. Um, uh, which game will? Nope. Nope. Question eight. The Meta Quest 2 VR has announced which game will be coming to our console. Ouch! Greg. Was it fucking Skyrim? No. Okay. <laughs> That's a good guess, though. It is a good guess, yeah. Anyone else? Oh. Just uh, uh, Amy! What else? I'm going to say Resident Evil 4. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. No, it's already been VR, doesn't it's it? It's already on there. Yeah, I don't know if it was on the quest though. Um Among Us? No. The answer is Ghostbusters. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, Fair enough. Uh question nine. Which game will actress Jamie Lee Curtis cosplay to officiate her daughter's wedding? This is random shit, man. Like, well, I know, is... no, she likes doing cosplay, doesn't she? Because she goes yeah. to like she goes to like um big expos and stuff because she, yeah. she went as Vega to Comic-Con. Yeah, she's Vega. a big gamey. Yeah. That's cool. Obviously, the mask thing was, you know, the reason why. Sure. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, was it what game is she cosplaying? Yes. What, char- character or game? Game. Ouch! Greg? Tomb Raider? No. Uh, Just uh, Amy! Peachy. Ross? Tetris. Yes, she's being a Tetris brick. <laughs> yes, I knew it. Uh, it's Tetromino. <laughs> uh, it's Tetromino. Uh, Miles. 
Resident Evil. No, World of Warcraft. But well done, guys. Uh, and last question: Which console had just had its best sales performance in March for eleven years? Uh, Amy. Greg. Was it the PlayStation Two? No. <laughs> I actually know this one, but Ross has already buzzed. I Xbox. don't know. Seriously. Yeah, go on. Yeah. Cool, Ross. No surprise to you. Well done. You win. Hey. <laughs> Look at that face. It like. <laughs> that was just such a weird quick. Like, no, I'm not dis- disparaging it. I'm just like, news. Shit, I don't read. I read news like what it's I like even read the late. news. I just couldn't buzz quick enough. All the ones I knew, Ross was already there before I'd no, even realised. I didn't have a theme and I couldn't. I just, yeah. Just, just stuff, really. I've been away all weekend, so I was like, I need to do all the news because I don't have anything else. So, yeah, Congrats, Ross. Your short-term memory is on point. Thank you. For what, exactly? Uh, For winning the quiz. Uh, I got so, it. So, thanks, Greg. Uh, right then, thank you very much, cats. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Um, let's get into the news. Um, we're going to do this very quickly because we've got a big topic to get to. But um, literally, uh, Miles and I were recording the Skywalker Saga podcast and not 20 minutes later, this news was announced and we got very giddy afterwards. Gearbox has announced that it's working on a new Tales from the Borderlands game. Released in 2014 and developed by Telltale Games, the original Tales from the Borderlands is a five-part episodic game set on Pandora between the events of Borderlands 2 and Borderlands 3. Gearbox is developing the all-new Tales from the Borderlands adventure, which will be published by 2K later this year. The studio said more details will be shared about the game this summer. Um, that's all we have so far, but it will be an all-new story with all-new characters, but it will be still set in Pandora. As someone who got just as giddy about this as I did, um, Miles, how, how are we feeling about this? I can't fucking wait. I loved Tales of the Borderlands. Um, it's interesting you said about new characters, because I was wondering how they were going to bring Troy Baker back into Reprise as well as Reese after their massive falling out about it. So, yeah, obviously... They're just going to set... use him as a, um AI NFT. <laughs> yeah, they're going to buy his NFT to get around <laughs> it, yeah. Um, so, yeah, obviously they've just dealt with that by just not having any of the characters return, which I actually think is a shame, because the way that story ends, there was definitely scope for a lot more potential, and I really like that cast. Um, so I guess the only question mark I'd have is, like, without those characters are they going to be able to make you know as memorable a story and a bunch of people to follow because like the finger guns um section that you do with um when you're disguised as that dude and you go into that room and everyone's like like doing the finger gun scene it's just awesome um and the whole fact that's where we got our name from oh what from that scene from that exact scene yeah that is dope that is dope (laughs) and that scene is fucking awesome um but the whole like series, like every episode had like a memorable moment. And like there's one of the soundtracks, I think it's from the end of episode two, is just unbelievably good. Um, and yeah, considering I don't like the regular Borderlands games, Tales of the Borderlands blew me away. So uh, yeah, super excited for this one. There's um, there's two really good songs. There. There's Jungle, isn't there? Yeah. Is that and the, uh, a bit too busy earning? And then the other one, the Air to the Top. I like the one. The one where Dingy sacrifices himself. Uh, no. To the, the top. I think, that one. I think the one that I liked was like it's the end of like episode two and you have to make the choice of like whether to blow up the thing or keep it or something like that and it's called like the Galatrium or Galatrium or something like that but it's oh, just yeah. a really good piece of like ambient music it's class because that jungle song came on something recently and it made me think of Tales of the Borderlands that <laughs> yeah it's just like oh I know this one 
<laughs> brings back like a part of your memory just gets yeah, unlocked, exactly yeah. that music association kind of thing <laughs> yeah something that is interesting is that telltale obviously have nothing to do with this it's all going to be completely gearboxed um greg how are you feeling about it uh i was a late adapter to tales in the borderlands um was it on plus did it is that i think so i paid for free yeah i want to say so. yes possibly yeah. yeah i've got all the trophies that so must have been a plus game mm. i loved it i mean i know you two went ah, sorry strangled myself then. um i know like obviously ross went mad for it and uh i lost interest in borderlands a very long time ago i finished two and just went more loot shooter boredom really um, so I wasn't really that interested in Telltale games. I haven't really played one through probably since Tales from the Borderlands. Um, and I did, I did the first Batman. That was probably about it. So I wasn't as excited as you two, but I will probably get around to playing it because the first one did have some absolutely banging moments in it. And I thought it was hilarious. I haven't played it through to do different um, choices. I just couldn't be asked. Like when I, when I got that platinum, I was just like, I can't be bothered to see the other fragmental choices even though it all concludes the same path but it did have some absolutely hilarious i think my favorite one and i clipped it as well was the bit with um shit what's his name reese and sasha oh is it the bit where he's 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 hanging on and she's like um uh, you you choose the choices like he's like i won't let you go i won't let you it's like sasha will remember this and she's like goodbye reese and he's like no wow we are really close to the ground and that bit just had me in fucking... St- it's just, just the, the, deadpan, in, like, the deadpan delivery from Troy Baker. Just that, no, we are really close to the ground, aren't we? Just <laughs> great. As much as you think, as much as he's been a bit of a bell end in recent months, Troy Baker can deliver some deadpan lines. Um, but yeah, I will probably get around to playing it after you two have talked massively at length about it and I will not listen to either of you spoiling it. So, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, we we are going yeah. to do that hard. The day you do a cast about it, I'm not going to be here. But um, <laughs> we're going to spoil like, like normal, really. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Nothing's really changed in that regard. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I mean, I, I probably will. It's not going to be day one for me, but yeah, I'll, I'll oh. probably get around to playing it at some point. Maybe if it's not shit and done by Gearbox, <laughs> so it will be shit. Oh damn! Don't say that. Yeah, oh, well, what what is Gearbox's track record at the moment? Yeah, I know, yeah. I know, I know. I mean, they made Aliens Colonial Marines. What's what are you talking about? <laughs> Great game. Oh, yeah, well, that, that bit with that one line of code that was wrong. No, but apparently they didn't make it because they were shifting blame onto uh, the one they bought it from. Oh, yeah, they did, didn't they? Um, I can't remember who it was. Yeah, they, yeah they, they had that line of code that completely fucked it was, the entire it was just, AI. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But, yeah, they took it on and were like, oh, it's going to be great. And they released it and it was shit. And then they were like, oh, no, no, we didn't actually add. We didn't. No, we, we just published it. It's like, no, you didn't. That's another story. Indeed. Indeed. Um, Kat, have you played Tales? No. It's the only, I think it's one of the only Tales that I haven't mm. played. But I have heard a lot about it. Um, everyone always says, even if you don't like Borderlands, you should play Tales of Borderlands because it's pretty rad. So it is on the list. Um if the second one's amazing, I'll probably find some time for the first one. Mm. Other than that, it's I think it's... just a joyous five and a bit hours. It's really, really fun. I've heard. I have heard it's very, very good, regardless of your opinion of Borderlands. So, mm. yeah, I'll give it a shot. I think that and the Game of Thrones is like the only Telltale that I haven't played. Um, so I do need to get around to it because it is like rated the best one. Yeah. So. God, I fell miserably on Game of Thrones. I got some bad endings on Game of Thrones. 
I think the whole thing was just a bad ending, to be honest. Maybe, like, maybe it was, yeah, I don't know. But, I mean, all of my characters died. I don't think oh, they, they? were... I, I could have saved some of them, I think. But <laughs> all of my characters died. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Tales is so good. And that, that, favorite... is, that is just Game of Thrones. Yeah, true, true, true. Yeah, I loved... What I loved about Tales so much, really, more than anything, was Troy Baker and Ashley Johnson kind of being together again, but being completely different characters. Like Ashley Johnson was this joyous, happy little robot called Gordy's, and having them interact was like it's really weird because it's Joel and Ellie, but it's not. And it was just a fun time. And um, Ashley Johnson was just on fire that entire game, and everyone was actually. Even Handsome Jack was fantastic in that game as well. Do you know what I can't disassociate with is that Ashley Johnson is Gretchen from Recess. Yeah. Fuck. What? Yeah. Nah. Yeah. For reals. So when she talks about that nasally kind of thing, yeah, it just it's just weird. What the fuck? How did I never know? Oh, the head's just exploded. You've actually just... <laughs> I watched Recess so much as a kid and I never ever would have considered that. Now my head is dying a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> what? There you go. Voice actors, man. Voice actors around. around. They're just on another It's almost like they have range. Yeah. Uh, right then, let's move on to our second piece of news, which is Siphon Filter. Something that I didn't think we'd be talking about ever again. But four classic Siphon Filter games have been rated for PS4 and PS5. Um, I just stress I'm reading all of these news off uh, VGC. Um, as spotted on Gamatsu, they are Siphon Filter, Siphon Filter 2, Siphon Filter Dark Mirror, and Siphon Filter Logan's Shadow. Developed by Sony's Ben Studio, which of course now make Days Gone, etc. The first entry in the third-person shooter stealth series was released for PS1 in 1999. Its sequel arrived the following year for the same console. Bend also developed Siphon Filter's Dark Mirror and Logan Shadow for PSP, with both titles later releasing for PS2 too. Um, it's expected that these will be included in Sony's expanded PS Plus service, which is launching in June. Um, so if you do get the PS Plus Premium, I think it is, you will have access to the Siphon Filter games. So, yeah, good times. Um, Greg, I don't think I've talked to you about this yet. How do you feel about the, the new PS Plus tiers? Uh, I'm still getting my head around them. Uh, I've had the email today about what the new tiers are going to be and how my... Because I pay monthly. I know I shouldn't pay monthly because it costs more, but I think just a while that budgetary constraints have me pay monthly and I mm-hmm. am for the foreseeable. Um, yeah, I don't know yet. I need to actually sit and think about like costing and stuff. and Because it, it sounds like a good idea to have this massive back catalogue, but then am I ever going to play them? Yeah, yeah, yeah but, it's a good point. But uh, yeah, obviously, like Siphon Filter, you just got. I'm looking at my copies of Siphon Filter One and Two over there. Actually, like, ooh, it's quite funny that like because obviously three wasn't made by nine eight nine, and it wasn't very good. One and yeah. two are amazing. I never played Dark Mirror in the other one because they were on PSP, which I didn't have one at the time. And then by then, I'd moved on from PS two. But one and mm. two are just fantastic. It was great, and it was always like, oh, it's, it's a. It's trying to be a Metal Gear Solid beater, and it, it's not. It's just a different game. Mm. Like it's a different kind of game, um, and like it has some genius boss battles in it. The, the, the final boss of the second one is great because he's wearing full body armor, and you can't do any damage to him. A bit like the one in Sekiro. There's there's a there's a boss in that that you've got to you can't do damage to. You've got to push him off of a bridge. And everyone's going, oh, it's genius and it's inventive. And I'm thinking, uh, Siphon Filter 2 did it first because you've got to direct this guy into the blades of a helicopter. It's weird that you can't do bullet damage to him, but you can put him into the blades of a helicopter. <laughs> don't, don't think about it too hard. 
But I was just like, I remember I didn't know what the fuck to do. This is before the days of just picking your phone up and going, oh yeah, I'll just Google it. Like, just fucking ages, I think. Just did it by chance. And his name is actually Chase. But you actually, yeah, I was just like, oh, is that how you do it? I've been doing this for two fucking hours. You know, but obviously I was a kid and my balls hadn't dropped, so that came out a lot higher. But yeah, um, I'm looking forward to playing them again. Uh, well, they are hard games. So I'm looking forward to starting the first mission of each one and going, this is bullshit. I can't do this anymore. But yeah, it's good news. Yeah. I've not played them, so I so. hope I hope it paves the way for a new one. Like, because obviously, like ninety nine became Bend, um, and there's that. I'm going to spoil Days Gone. So if anybody hasn't played Days Gone yet, put your fingers in your ears. There's obviously the late game twist where one of the characters that you meet at the start of the game. <laughs> yeah, obviously, <I'm> not, <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you. I'll wave when I'm done. Um, um, there's a character you meet early in the game, and then you meet him later on at like. The ep- the epilogue where he's slightly mutated into like one of the zombie type things, and it's heavily rumored that it the virus that causes the outbreak in Days Gone is something that Gabe Logan has failed to contain in a cyberpunk game. Oh, interesting. yeah, that's 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 where it comes. That's from. pretty cool. Yeah, there's 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 some paperwork around there that says it might. I don't know if it's actually the cyberpunk virus. Or it's a mutation. Yeah. And that's the link from Ben to 989 because obviously they made Siphon Filter. So because of that bombshell in there, people then were like, bring back Siphon Filter, bring back Siphon Filter. <laughs> and they can't, they obviously they have in a way. So I'm wondering if this is just to test the water to see if that nostalgia is still there for people that play mm. the original or have played the originals for Ben to go, all right, let's make a new Siphon Filter game. Yeah. Because they, like Days Gone, I know it reviewed a bit middling and it did actually make money back on it. So hopefully they'll not bother with Days Gone 2 because it, it's not going to get a sequel because it wasn't sequel. Like it was it was boring come the end, but like I'm hoping that this will spark the interest. Mm. People will play the nostalgic version or at least download them for metrics on Sony's end to go, wow, like it's been streamed or downloaded like, you know, two million times or whatever. Or collectively, yeah. they all have. That it generates interest to make a new server for it because that would be cool. Don't mess around with the formula. Like, don't make them open world, but don't make them... Li- just make it like like Splinter Cell Chaos Theory, hub-like missions, bit of multi-approach, that kind of jazz. It'd be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that would be cool. Um, I know my good friend, uh, Chris, I was like, hey, man, Siphon Filter's coming to the new PS Plus. He was like, I want them remastered. I was like, okay, well, you're never going to be happy, are you? <laughs> you couldn't you couldn't remaster siphon filter because it's so janky mm. like it, it plays awkwardly like it was tank style control because it was ps1 it was behind it was third person so obviously forward is forward let you know it's all d-pad mm. um you know forward right tanking around there's yeah. no dual analog so you couldn't remaster it without having to remake it it wouldn't work you could you could fat around the visuals you should probably then, wave by the way Oh, Kat, you can come out now. <laughs> Miles, going to throw something at her. <laughs> she just knocks on the wall. Not the wall yeah. <laughs> it works in three. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so yeah, the end of day is gone when it's all aliens. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> no, you you couldn't remaster Cyberpunk because it would just be the same dodgy controls, but with a mm. glossy veneer. It, it, it would be polishing a turd, to put it politely. You you either have to release it as they're doing now, and people go, "Ah, oh, nostalgia. Let's make a new one." You couldn't rehash or redress the old ones because it wouldn't work. Maybe the PS2 one 
But then we've seen what happens when you put Resident Evil Four in HD. Yeah. It, when you when you like Silent Hill Two, for example, like mm. just remastering an old PlayStation game is not always a good idea, because the whole point of Silent Hill Two was the fog. And then when they did that with the HD one and went, oh, look, we've made it graphically impressive and, and put in draw distance. And everyone went, why? <laughs> it just shows the cracks, you know? So mm. anyway, that's my two cents on Seinfeld. I'm looking forward to them coming back. Whether I'll play them or not, I don't know. Because I could readily play one and two now if I sent my PS3 up to the TV. But it's yeah, obviously something I haven't done since I moved into this place. So yeah. But if you had them downloaded... Not, by the way, downloaded I realize I keep, I keep doing that. I'm not scratching my ass. Okay. I know it looks like I am, but I really, I keep, I've realized I'm doing it several times. I've just got an itch on my lower back, but it looks like I'm full on rummaging for coins and I'm not. Okay. That's, that's great. Thank you for, I wasn't thinking it once. No, but I'm sure someone's time. going to be like, why is Rick trashing his ass a lot? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I suppose to have them just on your PS5 dashboard to play sort of whenever you want is going to be yeah, the appeal right. of this. Yeah. Um, and so, I don't know. I, I certainly want to try them out because obviously I didn't have a, PlayStation back in the oh, day. Oh, yeah, don't let me put you yeah. off playing the originals. No, 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 it's uh, it's definitely something I want to jump into. Um, Kat, have you got any history with Siphon Filter? No, okay, this news, this news section is going really well for you, isn't it? Yeah, no, you didn't put, <laughs> you didn't, you didn't put these in the quiz, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I looked it up, uh, it looks like a PlayStation one game <laughs> cool like i'm sure the people who love it like that's the kind of thing as like, i think like greg was saying is it's great that they've come back but will people mm. play them is another story but people are probably playing them for nostalgia not because they think it's a really interesting looking game yeah, not to like dunk on that well. but like yeah that's uh that's all I gotta say about well, that. Yeah, well, there's gonna be people that are playing like so I thought I can play that again finally and go exactly. Oh wow, this isn't as good as I remember. And, and those... yeah, and that's the thing, isn't it? A lot of people say, like, don't forget that when you play old games, the image in your head is not the image that is actually real when you've played old games. And so actually it's just, just gonna be like a bit of a stab in the back for everybody who loved that game. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you realize that it's a clunky piece of shit. <laughs> like, we've um... moved on a fair bit since 1999. So yeah. yeah, but hey, it's cool that they're going to be there, I guess. Um, yeah. For those who want to play it, for sure. Uh, Miles, you want to finish this off? Best yeah. of little goodness. Not much more to add, to be honest. Um, it was always the mold of the Metal Gears and Splinter Cells and Thief and that kind of thing. And I think with, uh, with all those series kind of on ice at the moment, I think it's a good opportunity to kind of gauge if there's still that, you know, desire for them. You know, we've all been wanting Splinter Cell for years and we're never probably going to get it from Ubisoft. So there is a Splinter Cell remake coming out. Hopefully, but you never know. They might cancel it just out of spite, you know, just to get our hopes up and ruin our lives. Um, So, yeah, I think, you know, gauging interest if people play it, wants more of it, you never know. Maybe it can fill that kind of gap that's been left from the other series that aren't coming out much. So, yeah, I think it's a a nice starting point. You know, it's nostalgic for people and it's kind of showing what Sony are going to do with the backwards compatibility log so yeah i think it's a decent start but um i'm not too fussed myself probably won't play them but i think it's nice that they're okay just just have, them, just have them downloaded on your console so we can show people that <laughs> yeah yeah we can take a picture and put it on social media they're not, they're not gonna be very yeah. big files are they <laughs> PS1 yeah, like one gigabyte each not even yeah all right cool i'm glad i brought this topic to the table today <laughs> yeah yeah we'll see we'll see um i know there are mega fans out there of siphon fur so uh all power to you for when they arrive right let's get into our main topic i threw up um i threw up 
I, I drew up. Up. <laughs> See, <laughs> So I threw up, right? How before was I that for you? Next, How before, was I, you? before I came on to record tonight, I just, you know. Bleh. That was my main topic. Our main topic is that Roscoe threw up. This it week. was really weird in the slate when you put up the topic and I was like, throwing up? What, mm. what are we going to talk about, man? Yeah. yeah. You want some so, therapy? You gotta... <laughs> so your top 10 throw ups. This is basically what I need to know. <laughs> top 10 vomits of the century, go. Yeah. No, I was feeling rather like, um, hey, let's talk about our favourite games. Let's talk about things that we actually love and things that we enjoy. And I was like, right, top 10 games of all time. And I threw it out and I think I was clear, but maybe I wasn't. But it was our favourite games of all time, not what we think are, you know, paradoxically the greatest games of all time. So we're going to go one by one. So 10, 10, 10, 10, 9, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This might take a while, but we're going to do it as quick as we possibly can. And I am going to start with... Dun, 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 dun. Mars Thompson. This is really hard. I didn't actually number mine, but I can no, put mine them in, mine in order. Ranked I, can put, I can put them in an order-ish. Um, but they are quite interchangeable. I also had way more than 10, so I'm just going to have to pick out for my list because I couldn't decide. Oh, I so, said 10. I, know, I also but have I just more have than 10 many. and I didn't number them because I, just, um, I don't make the rules. How, so. is it, how is it pick 10, but you've got more than? It's, it's just it's really difficult, Greg. I had oh. 40 billion arguments with myself. I'll do a million times. Don't exaggerate. 60. 60 arguments with myself. Yeah, Ross is going to make some because I've got a nice sofa to lie down on while you do can flab about what number 10 is. To be fair, I've got, I've got mine in a rough order. So I'll start with Hades because I think that's a pretty good one to start with. Um, do I need to talk about it or are we just saying what, just what give, we just, just, just give a um, why you chose it, what, what, what it's all. A cliff, a cliff notes version. <laughs> a, very, a very succinct synopsis, yeah. Um, I think Hades is just the art style, the storytelling. It changed roguelites. It made me enjoy a genre that typically I wasn't that into. I think it revolutionised what we can expect from lower budget producers and um, studios. And it was made with no crunch, none of the bullshit, no microtransactions. And in the last four years, I couldn't think of a better game that's come out without any of the extra fluff and problems. And it's just a beauty to play. I played 50, 60 hours of it and I loved every single second. I never got bored. So I think it's brilliant and it deserves to be there. All right. Early Access really did well for that game, didn't it? Oh, it's, yeah, it kind of just blew it up, didn't it? But it fully deserves it. It was amazing. Cat, number 10. You're on mute. I very quickly, I very, very quickly just like tend to to wand my top 16. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so I'm picking Dead by Daylight. Um, I actually didn't make my top 10 at all. And then I realized it was a bit silly not to do it uh, because it's addictive. And the thing is, as well, the only reason that I did put it in my favorites is because of the friends and the memories I've made because of that game, not necessarily that game. I think that game has a weird sense of community to it in the sense of like you can meet people that you've never met before and then end up speaking to them every single day. And that is exactly what has happened with me and Miles. Uh, we have met people who we are going to visit in America in about three weeks' time because of that game. And I think that that's a lot about a game that brings people together um from different sides of the world and actually it's not a bad game like it, it's a it's, it's a i was gonna say you hate this game i hate it and that's, that's why, why it's the best and that's why it, it didn't make my top 10 to begin with but there is something about playing it every day playing over 2000 hours that i can't ignore it because i think if True. i didn't have it in the top 10 people would be like all, you, all this bitch does is bang on about Dead by Daylight. So, you know, why is it not in a top 10? So I'm, I'm going to give it the 10 spot. But if I'm, yeah, 
And you can't tell me there's any game more satisfying to rage quit on. That's what I mean. Like, there's there's just something about the game where, like, although it's very repetitive in nature of the of the of the actual crux of the game, like you just need to escape. You need to do five generators and escape. There's so much depth to it, but it's so it's such simple depth. It's like every game can be completely different. Um, people are going to use different skill sets. People are going to be different parts to play. Some people aren't going to play any part because they're stupid and potatoes. Or some people are going to play most parts. <laughs> or you're going to get the people who are like really toxic and you can tell they've had a really shit day and they live in their mum's basement and all they want to do is like torture someone. <laughs> and so they're going to do it to you. Like there's just so much. And the thing is, you can have so many laughs over it. You can, it's, it feels really good to disconnect from. It's really cathartic, really. If anything, it's therapy. <laughs> So, yeah, it was, it was difficult not to mention. Okay, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Greg, number 10. Uh, my number 10 is similar to those two with their Dead Fire Daylight, is Street Fighter 4. Um, I've liked Street Fighter as a kid, but Street Fighter 4 is where I really cut my teeth. And for similar reasons, back in the days of 360s and living with my uncle out the outskirts of Taunton, um, it was either like trudge an hour into town and spend money on booze or sit and play street fighter with like we'd have four or five man endless lobbies like winner stays on and you could obviously it was great because you could watch the matches going on and see how people play and we had like a rules of etiquette kind of thing so like no corner spamming so if someone's where's my where's my my box so if someone's stuck in a corner you just you see online where people just pummel and pummel and pummel and it was like all right it's not fun like unless you're on a roll and you have a good combo but it was like a you know not a set rule kind of thing but yeah, I, I put 400 hours into that game before I forgot to cross tra- uh, transfer my save over to Xbox One. And then we just like drifted apart, stopped playing it. But yeah, it's not it's not really a great story. It's Street Fighter. Like, it's not got a great story. It's not going to have, it doesn't have that emotional impact as some of the other games on my list do. But in terms of games that have had a, an impact on my life as such, then yeah, Street Fighter 4, because of the community. I haven't had that experience like those who have had with meeting people like playing outside of it because playing ranked street fighter matches is fucking oh that's a game you want to rage quit on um because people are dicks but in terms of friendships existing and people i talk to because of street fighter and stuff like that um yeah just that really it's 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 in my 10 because of the investment i've put into that game and i've got two street fighter tattoos on my chest because of it of characters i never used to play as a kid and then be, yeah. by doing random battles, they become two of my favorite characters. Obviously, they changed their move sets for Street Fighter Five, which was just bullshit. But like, yeah, I've got two personal favorite characters on my chest now because of the amount of time I put into playing those with Street Fighter Four. Mm. I guess it's like such the beauty of your favorite game, isn't it? Because we've all kind of recognized that this game, is, the games aren't necessarily amazing in story or breadth or depth or visualizing, but it's the meaning to us. Oh, I've got that's... I've got some on here that will make me cry in a bit, don't worry. <laughs> or have have made me cry. Yeah, but it's still the meaning to you that's really, really important, whereas somebody else might be like, but I think that's really good. And that's why I guess I asked in the Slack, is it our favourite games? Because they're going to mean so many different things. Someone might go, why the fuck is a Purple Dragon your favourite game? Grow up. You know, but that it's the meaning of it. Do you know what I mean? It's the meaning of what it might meant for you when you were playing it back then. And, and like you were describing, Greg, it's the meaning for you back then and, and what it's meant yeah. to you today. Yeah, okay. sure. Number 10 is Final Fantasy VII Remake. That did you did you did come out like really not anti Final Fantasy, but that did. I remember when you said, "Wow, Mm. like yeah." I had like no, I've got no connection to Final Fantasy at all. Um, And I remember Toby and Greg in particular getting 
excited about the remake. And I remember getting excited about the remake too. I got caught up in the hype train most definitely for Final Fantasy VII Remake. And I didn't know anything about the story. Um, I didn't know really anything about the characters. And I jumped in and just like Greg said, I fell in love with it instantly. And I think the remake is a testament to just how important that particular game is to to just gaming overall, really, because I fell into it. And people say, you know, it does go in twists and turns. It, it, it's a very, the story is told very differently um, than it was in the original. Um, and there's still, only, it's just only a third of it or whatever it is, or a fourth of it, I can't quite remember. Uh, yeah. yeah, and there's there's so much to love in this. And I am more hyped for Remake 2 than I am for anything else, because I just cannot wait to jump back into that world. And you know, falling for, I finally understand, you know, the Aerith thing. I get it now. Makes sense. Um, <laughs> um, it's been a long, long time. I, I know just through conversations I've had with gamers over the years, I know what, I know sort of what happens in this game, but there's, it doesn't, it's not putting me off because I'm just excited to see how we get there and the reasons behind it and what happens and what, and what comes next. So, yeah. Final Fantasy VII Remake for me had to make the top 10 because nothing really impacted me and surprised me as much as that did when it came out. I was so happy with it. So, so happy with it. Um, all right, then. Let's move up to number nine, Miles Thompson. Sorry, I made a list. So I'm just going into my list to check which one I put as number nine. Uh, Mass Effect 2. Oh. Um, I remember playing this. I picked it up on a whim. I hadn't played the original Mass Effect. So it was an Xbox 360 exclusive at the time. And then when they announced Mass Effect 2 was coming to PlayStation, it's had a PS3, I was like, cool, I'm going to check that out. I had no idea what I was in for, but I spent like 35 hours in my first playthrough doing everything. I talked to every crew member, every opportunity, and it was the first game that I really felt like an investment. And the way it did like the side quests was amazing. You know, we always think of The Witcher 3 and its side quests, but before then, I think Mass Effect potentially did it as one of the best, where... Each character was fleshed out, had their own backstories. You cared about them, you know, in the final mission, they can just die. You know, you can lose the entire squad and Commander Shepard himself. You can all just die in the ending mission. I thought that was amazing that that can happen. And it just really changed how I perceived like storytelling and like an RPG can play. Um, and I think as much as I liked Mass Effect 3, I don't think anything could top Mass Effect 2. I think it just perfectly captured what a role-playing game can be. And it was just... Yeah, I just fell in love with it. I absolutely adored it. And I played so much of it. I then beat it on Elite, Platinum it. And I just, every time I think back to it, I think that was a fucking awesome game. And I wish I could really experience that for the first time again. So, uh, yeah, went with that one. Nice, nice. Good shout. Uh, Kat, number nine? Uh, Batman Arkham City. Yeah. I think it is the best one. I know a lot of people love Asylum, but for me, I I just love City. I love the other one. I love the missions. I love the Riddler trophies. I loved all of it. Um, I remember being recommended the Batman games like years before I bought them. And I remember like, it was one game where I was like, why the fuck did I not play this earlier? Like everyone was raving, like, you know, like when you just, you just dig your feet into like, no, I'm not going to play the big game. That <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's great. I, I don't go so much on the most recent one. I, I think I wish they'd go back to kind of their own, their kind of OG formula of Asylum and City just kind of feels a bit so Batmobile 
orientated. I was just like, oh, I have to get in this fucking car one more time. Um, yeah, but I, I just really loved it. It just felt like you were fully in it, fully immersed. Yeah. You were actual Batman. The cutscenes are great. Obviously, you've got Hamill. Who's not going to fucking love that? Um, so, yeah, great stuff. Yeah, City is, yeah, I prefer City to Asylum as well. I, I love Arkham City. Um, it's so funny about the Batmobile, about how everyone wanted Batmobile, put the Batmobile in the Arkham Knight, put the Batmobile in the Arkham Knight. And, and Roxanne must have got so pissed off, like, fucking fine. Just have his, the whole game in the goddamn his, Batmobile. Here's armored core. Yeah, yeah. You want the Batmobile, fine, have it. 75% of the game is a shitty shooting mechanic. Go for it. Yeah. How did the Riddler build tunnels and race courses knowing Batman by the Batmobile? <laughs> some of them are massive they're like bigger literally, than the city as well yeah, that, that is literally like, undermining buildings like how oh yeah it's true it's true uh gregory said number nine alex kid in miracle oh World. great choice yeah short and sweet uh yeah. one of the first games i played when we had master system well it was one of my first consoles a Master system 2 and it was built in um i love it but i hate it um still never finished it to this day mm-hmm yeah, I can't even. I can't even remember how, like what order to do the the Jankin game at the start, like the first level. Yeah, I've got it. I've got it on my PS3. I'm too scared to play it. <laughs> and I know you you reviewed the the remaster as well, and I kind of want it, yeah. but I don't because I know I'll just be frustrated all over again. But I know there's an yeah. easy mode to it, but I don't want to cheapen the memory. I understand. You don't want to yeah. go the infinite lies mode. Oh, I kind of yeah. do, but that's the problem. I just I would I just, just be betraying my six year old self just to say that you've beaten it. Yeah, it'd be a hollow victory. Bloody hard work. Uh, number nine for me is Tetris Effect. Um, when that game landed, holy shit. And the first time I ever played it was at EGX and I played it in VR. And that was a freaking experience. Um, if you go back to read Paul's review of the VR version, he gave it a 10 out of 10. I mean, it's just a it's a mind-blowing experience. But to sit down in, in front of my telly, lights off, sound up, playing something like Tetris Effect, which is... If you don't know, is 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 Tetris nothing more, nothing less, but in this soundscape, in this visual soundscape that kind of you lose yourself in, and that that song that was stuck in my head forever and ever and ever um, is still on my Spotify playlists, and it's a game that I just fully adore, and it's one that I jump into a fair bit when um, when I'm looking for games to play for like twenty minutes. I just stick on Tetris Effect. And it's a, it's a wonderful experience. And it's a one that I wish I had VR for. Uh, so hopefully down the road, I'll uh, I'll pick up another VR and play through it all over again that way. The way I think it's meant to be played in VR, because it's insane. Uh, but yeah, Tetris Effect is my number nine. Uh, number eight, Mr. Miles Thompson. Sorry, I lost Zoom for a second. Uh, my next one is Spec Ops The Line. And I wondered if Greg might have this one on his. Um, no, but it's a good shout. I think it's just for me, if I if someone said to me, you know, there's one video game story that shows what the medium can do in terms of just pure storytelling, ignoring anything else. Um, Spec Ops Align was the one. When I played it, it just blew my mind. There are scientific research papers written about it's like three levels of analysis of like the war, you know, economy and the real world and how players interact with video games and how dissociative disorder affects soldiers and all this kind of stuff. And it's just so incredibly well made where the entire game is built up for one purpose and that's its narrative and at the end there's such a massive payoff of it's one of the few games that genuinely made me sit back and be like oh i'm a fucked up person doing this shit in games and (laughs) 
it does it in such a good way. And I know they'll always have the criticisms of video games, you know, how much autonomy do you realistically have? You always funnel down a path, but I think it does it the right way of where it points the finger at you, but where you can't really dispute it because you did play the game. You're the reason that it happened. Um, and if, yeah, I think if anyone can deal with a third person shooter, I think they should play Spec Ops because I think it's one of those that shows what war is like. It shows about your role in autonomy and doing awful stuff, um, but also how we can project how we see, you know, bad things onto other people instead of acknowledging it's us. And it just really stuck with me. I remember just reading up all about dissociative disorder. It taught me, I was doing a psychology degree and I felt like I learned more playing this game for five hours than I did actually in my degree that year, um, mm. which is kind of testament to uh, how bad my degree might have been. Um, but yeah, it just, it really blew me away and it totally changed my perspective on like role of autonomy. And whereas Bioshock did something with that, I feel like Spec Ops The Line took it all the way to the extreme and just absolutely nailed it down. Um, and I, I just adore it. I think it's amazing. And I think people should play it if they do play shooters. A very good shout. Very good shout. One that's getting a bit lost to time, isn't it? Doesn't seem to be. No one talks about remakes and remasters for Spec Ops The Line. Didn't sell, so, unfortunately. I mean, it just didn't yeah. sell. No. I don't think it needs a remaster, though. No, I, mean, I agree. It yeah. could do with a port, but I don't think it needs... Mm. If they ported it, made... I'd play it again, happily. Yeah. yeah, it may it may turn up on this new PlayStation Plus thing, who knows? Hopefully, because I'd, I'd love to play it again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kat? Uh, number eight. Oh, this is my first argument of the <laughs> of, of myself. It, I'm so sorry, Ross, but I did bump Sonic for, uh, okay. for this one, and I know you won't forgive me, but it's okay. I'll... Uh... I'll get it back. I know, I know, I said it's all right. <laughs> it's okay. Leave it. Leave it. I know, I know, I know. I'm so sorry. I know. Oh, look at his face. I can't, I can't. Anyway, my eight, my number, oh, I can't. Oh. Anyway, my number eight <laughs> without looking is uh, Don't Starve. Um, it is a wonderful indie game that is a very roguelike, um, essentially you have to I don't even know how to explain it you have to survive but you can go you have to like also manage your hunger you aren't you die in the dark so you have to get resources but the resources equals resources then enemies come and then you also start to go insane and you have to eat things to not go insane and then every so often some dogs come and attack your camp and then bosses come and then winter hits and then you have to get more clothes but you can't get more clothes without venturing out it's just a fuck like a fuckery of just it's a fuckery of yes what an endorsement of a game it's a fuckery (laughs) but like it's so amazing and it's just so interesting it's so creative like yes it's annoying when you die on day 82 and you have to start again from the very beginning um there are ways you can get around that though but um but yeah it's just it's just i remember thinking to myself i'm gonna start a new i'm gonna start a new campaign today i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it then i get to winter and i'm like fuck's sake and then once i beat winter i was like yeah beat winter. and then summer comes and it's just the worst but it is such a creative game for an indie game it's done incredibly well i remember talking about it with sean on one of the podcasts and he said that he ended up reviewing it and he really liked it too i i think about it often and when it came to ps5 uh ps4 was it PS5 or PS4? Um, I was like, I'm going to platinum that game. And it's still to date one of my rarest platinums. And I've got one of the characters in my car. I just, I fucking love that game. It's great. Mm. Nice. Nice. Uh, Gregory. Turtles in Time on the SNES. Oh, great show. God damn. I don't know where my copy came from, um, but I played it to death as a kid. Um, I don't know where my copy is. I don't know if it's in the attic at my mum's house. 
I've, I've no idea. It's it's lost in time, funny enough. Um, <laughs> but I don't know where it is. And I see that CEX are selling a second-hand copy for like 90 quid in the store. And I was like, ha, ah, no. Also, it's coming out on that um, Cowabunga collection. So I'm looking forward to that. The the 360 version reshell did it dirty. It cut too much content. They try to make it like the arcade version. I know there's different levels in either, but they just it just didn't. It just wasn't right. That that's an example of remastering, remaking gone wrong. But yeah, Tales in Time is a great game, and I've actually you can see my vinyl behind me. I've actually got the Tales in Time soundtrack on vinyl. That's how cool it is. Nice. Yeah. Nice, nice. Uh, number eight for me is Halo Combat Evolved, uh, the very first Halo. Nice. Um, a lot of my options you aren't going to be surprised by. But <laughs> yeah, this is probably the first one. Um, yeah, it's just it, it just harts back to memories as a, as a kid playing Halo with my mates, you know, getting um, all of us getting Xboxes, um, having just sleepovers playing Halo absolutely relentlessly over and over and over and over again, um, learning all the secret pathways in Blood Gulch and just having an absolutely great time. And Halo Combat Evolved has not aged well. Um, hmm. the the Master Chief Collection version is testament to that. It's a it's a pain in the dick to play, but God, it's just it's all about those multiplayer memories for for that one. And it's um yeah, it's a it's a cracking game. Um, number seven, Miles Thompson. Dead Space Two. Um, Dead Space Two. I love survival horror, but I felt like I I absolutely adored Dead Space One. It was one of those really surprising games um, a friend lent me because I wasn't willing to commit to buying it. And I played it and I was honestly gobsmacked at how good it was. And it was genuinely fucking scary in places. Like the Ishimura is a horrifying place to visit in a game. Um, But Dead Space 2, they got the bigger budget and they took all of their ideas and blew them up to, you know, 20,000 times more. And the reason that I've got it on here is because I did it on hardcore where you get three saves and you do it on the hardest difficulty and I finished it. I know. And it's still to this day, one of my proudest gaming like achievements that I managed to do that. And I still remember it because at the very end, you do like a sequence where you've got to like reach the ship and there's like bits of debris like floating towards you and you have to dodge them all. And I swear to God, I hit one of these pieces of debris and the game took pity on me and didn't kill me and let me finish it. And for that reason, I'll always remember it as being like whoever like developed that the dev must have been kind but it's just an incredibly atmospheric awesome shooter and survival game and although it's less focused on the survivalist element like you never feel like you are safe you're always constantly being bombarded with enemies the necromorphs are awesome as an enemy design and the level structure the use of different things the lighting was incredible for it say if you go back and look at it now it still looks amazing and it's testaments like the art direction and the design of the game itself. And I think it stands up, you know, 10, however many years later. Um, and there's a reason for that. And I just don't think it's, that was like a, a peak period of survival horror games, you know, that kind of period of time. And yeah, I think that's space two really nailed it. And I think one of my favorites that I've ever played, to be honest. I've always been too scared. Honestly, I've been too scared. To that <laughs> it's, it's so not... good. I might, oh. I mean, I know, I know the remake is a way off, but I think that might be. The, I'm, 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 I might jump into that. I'm yeah, it's so excited, bump, doesn't it, for next year now? Yeah, yeah bit, a bit older so now. Said. We'll see. Maybe you can we'll cope see. with it then. Maybe. Cat <laughs> uh, number seven. Uh, my number seven is Detroit Become Human. Um, oh. I, I 
couldn't put it down and then I couldn't put it down because it kept crashing on me and I was determined to get the platinum so I actually ended up finishing it seven <laughs> times you had the worst experience with this ever. Honestly, I did yeah. it in like three playthroughs honestly I think I did it in seven because it kept blue screening at the same at a similar point and I was fuck livid um so and I was determined it was determination and perseverance but also I wouldn't have done it for a game that I didn't love mm. um I wanted to see and it's very rare for me where a game has like multiple different endings and I want to see every ending and I want to experience every ending as opposed to just watching them on YouTube I could have easily watched every ending on YouTube um but there was something about that game where I was like it really makes you feel like you can really immerse yourself into each character and kind of morally make that decision of Carl of this of that and it really does tap in and invoke that emotion out of you like that first scene with Kara where the the kid I can't remember what the kid's name is um <coughs> is being abused what like holy fuck shit like, I'm just like Jesus Christ this is supposed to be a nice game about robots I'm not supposed to be like intervening in anyone beating the shit out of anyone um yeah, and, you know, the acting is amazing. Like, it's just a great game that I think... I love any game with any kind of, like, decision-making involved. I do get, like, horrific choice paralysis. But I think that's the... That's the beauty, isn't it? Is it, like... And that's why I like Life is Strange. Life is Strange isn't on my list, and I guess this kind of replaces the Life, Life is Strange genre for me. Um, but I, yeah, I really like that game, and I really hope that they do bring out some sort of sequel, even if it's not the Detroit sequel, but, like, a London sequel or a... I don't know, San Francisco sequel, who fucking knows? But um I would I'd love to see it because I think it was a great story and I think that they they did it so well. The acting, like Hank, he's he's a he's a co-supporting character, but he's one of the best actors in the whole whole thing. Brian Deckart, who I now know refused to be on the podcast, but I still love you. Uh <laughs> uh yeah, yeah, great game. Love it. Couldn't not put that on my list. I'm Connor, the Android sent by Cyberlife. Yeah, I couldn't make it to the end. Oh no! All of the, all of the, I, 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 I sort of respect Detroit Boom Human, but the, um, the racial undertones and everything, it, it lost me completely. The segregation on the bus was so on the nose, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I totally get it. Totally get it. It's, um, it, it is an experience for sure. Uh, Greg, uh, Zelda: Links to the Past. Ooh, that's yeah, nice. that was my first entry, not only into Zelda but also the action adventure kind of gaming really um i remember playing it around my uncle's house with a game that's going to come up in a minute uh or however long it takes to get to that number um yeah it's just you know ocarina of time always comes up on many as the best zelda game for what it did for the n64 and rightly so but for me links to the past just yeah, sunk a lot of hours into it and it's just a great uh uh oh cat no Wind Waker, but the yeah, hero no. of wind. I no. love Wind Waker. <laughs> but no, just just Link to the Past was what got me into the Zelda games, really, and it's just a memorable game, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, number seven for me is The Outer Worlds. Um, this is a game that I expected nothing from. Um, I picked it up on a whim did we get a code i don't think we did or did we i don't know i can't remember but um yeah i was excited to play an rpg i wasn't expecting to get so drawn into this story it was just so much fun so much fun from beginning to end i had such a blast playing this game and 
the Outer Worlds 2, as we know, we all saw the trailer, the trailer rocked, and um, it's evidently a long way off, but it's going to be it's going to be great. And the Outer Worlds, um, I did wasn't expecting it to hit in my top ten, but the more I was trying to work this out this week, I it, I, it kept coming back to me. I was like, you got to put the Outer Worlds in. The Outer Worlds was great. So yeah, there it is, the Outer Worlds. God, what an absolute banger! I really want to play it again. It's a shame the DLC wasn't quite as fun as um, the main story, but. The yeah, uh, the, the the main story itself was just uh, just absolutely banging. So yeah, the outer worlds. Uh, number six, Miles. You actually made me revise my choice for this one. So I originally had um, Ocarina of Time or Uncharted Two penciled into the slot. I couldn't decide between them. And you mentioned Final Fantasy, and I doubt anyone's played it. But on the PSP, there was one called Crisis Core, and it was a prequel to Final Fantasy VII. And I played it. I just had no experience of Final Fantasy or whatever before. And the reason I was really hyped for the remake and what happens, and minor spoilers, if you haven't played the remake, you might want to not listen to this part, so just ignore the next two minutes, um, is because they bring back Zach Fair right at the end, and he's the protagonist of Crisis Core. And Crisis Core first brought in the kind of random numbers generator of the turn-based action style, the ATB um, style of combat that was later brought into the uh, later entries. But it has such a good story, you know, following Zach and it kind of builds up to the very beginning of Final Fantasy VII and the ending is just sad as all holy hell. And so when the remake happened and it kind of retcons what happens at the end, I was like, fuck yeah, I'm in for this. I want more of Zach again. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, the more I thought about it, I must have spent hundreds of hours playing it. I played that game on the PSP three, four times and it's a big game. It's not sure whatsoever, but it was beautiful. For the PSP, it was absolutely stunning. The story was unbelievably good and the combat was just really engaging and really fun and building up to the point where you just be this mega powerhouse, like where you destroy everything. You meet Cloud before he's even Cloud. Like you get to see why Cloud becomes like he is. Um, yeah, I just, when you said Final Fantasy, I was like, shit, I can't not include it. It was just too good a game. And I spent too many hours of my childhood playing it and loving it that I can't not put it in here. And yeah, it was maybe cry at the end. So I had to go in. <laughs> yeah, those are the rules. That's it. That's how it works. Uh, cat. Number six. Um, number six. What am I on? Number six. Oh, uh, Pokemon Yellow. Um, mm. yeah, all red, depending or blue. How depending on which game you played first. I played red first, but I personally prefer having Pikachu follow me around everywhere. You know, because uh, who doesn't want that in life? Who doesn't prefer that to be just there every day? Um, I remember getting so the Game Boy Color was like my first sole console. And so I remember being particularly proud when we went out to the game shop and I was allowed to pick a console. And I was only literally about five or six. I must have been really young because I still lived in Dublin at the time. And I remember like being in the back of this car and being like, I've never been so excited in my whole goddamn life to play this Pokemon game. Because the PlayStation was my dad's, the PC was my dad's. Like I, I'd grown up watching him and then playing games. But I fully remember that console being mine. Um, and being like, my dad's not going to get to play this because this is my console. I can have my own time and I can sit next to my dad and play my console. But that's just such a fucking great game. Anyway, you can restart that game as many times as you want and you can have a completely different kind of game, even though you're following the same kind of linear world top down. But like, you can just have a total different game. And even when it goes back to kind of Pokemon Eevee and you're like reliving it or you know, Pikachu Go or Eevee Go or whatever the fuck's called. Um, it's just great. It's just, you know, seeing a Caterpie for the 50,000th time and just going, fuck that, run. You know, there's just so much, you know, 
there's so many memes about it, there's so many gifts about it. It's it's iconic for anybody who loves Pokemon and played it in that time. So I couldn't not include Pokepal Pocket That's Monster. That's fair. That's fair. I was expecting a Pokemon game, at least one. Yeah. You know this for it's sure. The OG one. So yeah, nice. Uh Greg, number six. Uh mine's a very hipsterish one. It's Subicoden 2 on the PlayStation 1. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. It's um well it's a sprite sprite based RPG, not sprite, like a pixel sprite pixel. Oh, fuck it. It's an old school um RPG by Konami that was released in two thousand. I never really heard of the first one. Uh, I picked up Suicoden 2 on a random shopping trip into game when it used to be in the old store in town. Uh back in that must have been Christmas 2000, I suppose. It was sealed on the shelf, 30 quid. Much as I love the game, wish I'd never fucking opened it because I could have, you know, that's a rare collector's item. But yeah, I'm glad I did because it's just, it's not the most original stories. It's warring empires and stuff like that. But it's great. And it does hit a few emotional notes that uh, were lost on 14-year-old me. But going back again and retrospectives and stuff, it's really quite well written. And it had a brilliant system where if you had the first one, it took me a few years to get the first one. Uh, the old manager of Pink Planet um, I was sort of friendly with him because he used to play Skittles he got some some second hand like rare games in once and went oh you know I've got this Sui Code and whatever it's called the first one 15 quid I was like fuck yes thank you I love that uh, but number two yeah just when, you know when you take a punt on games sometimes and it just becomes one of your favourites and it's just a very good RPG and the fact that it was released on the Playstation 3 digital store back in 2015 was just a godsend because I had to sell my PS1 collection, which I've talked about before. But yeah, it's just, a, it's a, it's, it's, it's turn-based RPG. It's, it's, it's like Breath of Fire 3. It's Final Fantasy before they went all action battle system. You know, it's just, it's that, but it's great. And it looks beautiful as well. And it, and it, it got marred at first. It got poor reviews because obviously turn of the century was 3D. You know, we want big, you know, Final Fantasy 10s coming out, all this kind of shit. Uh, look at look at like what Final Fantasy Eight and Nine are doing on the PlayStation, um, and obviously Konami were doing like Symph- Castlevania Symphony of the Night and Suikoden, and everyone was going boost British graphics. And now look at those two. Look at Symphony of the Night. How revered is that game? You know, yeah. yeah, just it's a very good RPG. Yeah, yeah, it's not one of them myself, but I I I know um, how much it means to you. So it's uh, yeah, you playing it is not so you don't want to play it yourself. No, 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 I haven't. Oh. I thought no, you said no. you want to play it yourself, but I thought you were worried about offending me if you play it. And I was like, no, 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 no. Should I have the option? Should it appear on this PlayStation thing? Then yeah, I'm in. I will give it a go for sure. Yeah. Um, I know how much you love it, so it's it's got to be got to be worth a go. Um, number six for me. Sorry, it's Shenmue. Um, look, why are you sorry? Because I know I've read know. your piece about why you love Shenmue. Like, it's, you shouldn't <laughs> have you shouldn't have to apologize for enjoying I something. I know Shenmue. At its foundational core, is not a good video game. Okay, I understand this. It's everything around that game that makes it so special and important to me. Um, like Greg said, there's a whole... It might... Is it still on the site? Hopefully it is. Um, it didn't, I don't know if it got lost in the Great Crash, but um, it might still be there, hopefully. Um, I wrote a whole thing about... Just before Shenmue 3 came out, I wrote a whole thing about why Shenmue was still important and why it matters and why it was so important when it first came out. And yes, it hasn't aged well at all. Go play Shenmue 1 and 2 now on the PS store, and it's like, mm, not great. Um, I didn't love them. But it was still so much fun to retread them because 
it was those little moments, those incidental moments, like um, Rio just getting a can out of a machine or striking a cat. It was just these little things that we are so, it's so commonplace now. But back then, you know, my dad would watch me play Shemu and it would blow his mind that I could go out to a vending machine and just buy a can and just watch him drink it and he'd go, ah, good. Walk into an arcade and play Space Harrier. You know, it's those little moments that are just so fantastic. And I, yeah, I absolutely adore it. I absolutely adore it. But I'm a, yeah, I know it's not the best, but it it, it, it's, it hits for me on a very different level. And uh, that's why it's so special to me and important. Okay, we're getting there. Number five, Miles Thompson. Um, uh, sorry, I was, I was checking my thing. <laughs> um, Check, checking your thing? Oh, hey, God. Not on the podcast. Oh, not on God. the podcast, mate. Come on, guys. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Get your minds out the gutter. Um, life is strange. It's fine. It was always going to be on my list somewhere. So, um, yeah. Life is strange is an interesting one for me because I know objectively as a game, it's not exciting. It's not that kind of, you know, it kind of blurs the lines of what is a game movie, that kind of weird interaction. We've had these debates about walking simulators and story driven games over gameplay and that kind of stuff. But I think Life is Strange for me just hit such a, it was a really hard time of my life when I played it. And it was a weird sense of like, I can't even really describe it, but it was like I had the perfect thing that I needed at the time that I needed it and that's what the game was for me so I've always got this like really strong attachment to it and when I played it a couple months back when they did the remaster it was like seeing an old friend again it was like reuniting with someone who just makes you feel good and comfortable and whatever and and obviously I knew how the story played out. I knew most of the main plot points and I could still remember loads of details, but I'd forgotten lots of chunks of it as well. So it was nice to re-experience those almost for the first time again. And I know like, <laughs> so the dialogue and the writing can be cringy in places, but I find that really endearing about it. I think the game sums up, you know, what it's like to be a teenager finding your way in life and figuring stuff out. And it's more you know, fantasy type elements, I think just complement the idea of what we all wish we could do when we're growing up and wishing we could undo mistakes and do things differently and all that kind of stuff. And I just remember getting to the end and just completely being heartbroken at the ending and, you know, the choice that you were given at the end, but it was more the the culmination of the whole story and the journey of it for me, just, it really resonated with me in a strange way. I couldn't really understand why it's obviously about to teenage girls you know going back to school and stuff but it just really clicked with me in a way that I struggled to actually kind of verbalize to people but it was just amazing and it like I said it came at just the right time in my life and I think it's one of those games that will always have that kind of place in my heart that I just love it to death and the soundtrack is just unbelievably phenomenal and I just for that alone I think it deserves to be on this list because Sid Matters did all the music and wrote it all and it's just beautiful and the sections where you get to sit down and just absorb it all in and listen to the music and stuff is yeah amazing I absolutely love the game and I couldn't not put it on my list absolutely I know how much that game means to you and it's amazing when a game does that isn't it it really yeah. really is yeah it's great uh Kat, number five Number five for me was also an argument between this and The Sims, only because I think The Sims is part of every girl's life, because, yeah, it's more, just the most basic bitches live, really, aren't they? Um, <laughs> fucking love The Sims. What an anyway, intro. <laughs> the Sims is not on my list. Instead, I had to replace it with uh, OG Crash Bandicoot, um, only because I think it is criminal 
not to mention OG Crash Bandicoot. You can sing the song. You can. I was just singing it. Yeah. Would you just go and do? Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. And the thing is, as well, I I think I could like. I think me and Ross, you were saying that you were at work and you were playing the first level, or was it the first level? And me and someone else were like, oh, no, no, you need to do blah, blah, blah. I can, I can probably do the first level with my fucking eyes shut now because I've played that game so much. And there's, you know, then later on you meet the polar bear and then it's just all lovely. And and I remember for Crash 4, I I stayed up till midnight on a, like, on a school night, quote, unquote, to play It's About Time because it had been like, what felt like 50 years since any kind of proper crash game had come out. I know they remastered CTR, which I loved, uh, but it wasn't the same. And so having someone who, like Toys for Bob, but seeing what they did at Spyro, I, I knew it would be exactly like being a kid again. And it was, it was like the image that you have of a nostalgic game actually coming to life because they HD'd it, they'd done it. And yeah, so Crash OG will always be will always be the one, the noises, the, the, the merch, you know, whatever it might be. I can't, I cannot deny that that has shaped a lot of my childhood. Mm. And I guess that is the reason that I fucking love platformers because I, my first ever platformer was bloody Crash Bandicoot and that shit's hard. So my <laughs> finger dexterity goes to, you know, Activision and Crash. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thanks, Naughty Dog. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, Naughty Dog, for uh, these digits. <laughs> that was weird. Anyway, we'll move on. We'll move on. Uh, Greg, <laughs> uh, Bloodborne. Ah, it, was the, yes. it was the game. It was. It was the game that got me into Soulsborne, just because someone bought me a second-hand copy for a birthday, and I was like, "Well, I feel like I should finish it because it would be rude because it was a gift." Um, yeah, I got completely lost in the world, the aesthetic, I died a lot, I learned to sort of temper a patience for Soulsborne games and a newfound respect, still can't do the first one, played Dark Souls 3 and from that, Sekiro, and I'm still getting stuck on Elden Ring. So yeah, Bloodborne is the game that changed my mind on them, but much like Hades did with roguelites for Miles and myself, mm. yeah, Bloodborne's great, and it may look shit running on 30 FPS on the PS5, but it is on Plus, if anybody wants to try it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, number five for me is the 10 out of 10 masterpiece that is what remains of Edith Finch. Switch out. Um, oh, it's going to be your number one to be fair. Yeah, I was expecting <laughs> yeah. that number one. Like, <laughs> um, I mean, there's nothing like it, is there? It's an absolute masterpiece of exploration, story, um, narrative being told in such a unique and interesting way. Um, how it connects to the unfinished swan, I remember finding that level and being blown away by it. Um, the bath we haven't got been down to talk about the bath, but it was just every single moment. I cried my eyes out, I laughed, I cheered and hollered when I beat it because I was just so goddamn amazed by it. And yeah, it's a full-on, absolute legendary stone cold masterpiece. And anyone who disagrees can go suck a dick. Right. <laughs> Moving on. Number four, Miles. I don't know how to follow that one after that. Um <laughs> My next one is Fallout 3. Uh, Did I, I feel I directed at you? Sorry, I, I didn't mean to feel directed at you, but it was just, I, I maybe mean, it, it felt that way. I mean, if it I wasn't, it, it should have been, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me and Kat were like looking at you as you were describing it like, mm, yes, yes. I guess we're sucking dicks tonight then. Like. <laughs> Solid 8 out of 10 game. <laughs> um, no, everyone loves their games for their reasons. Yeah, respect it. 
Yeah. I feel like we just swap perspective. Like I have it with Life is Strange and you think that's just badly written. And I (laughs) I have that with Edith Finch, but not badly written. I just don't think it's that good. Um, But yeah, my next one moving on is Fallout 3. Um, And I've spoken about this before, but Fallout 3 was the one that showed me just how fucking ridiculous games could be in terms of the size and scope of what I remember watching the pre-release trailers and it was Todd Howard like talking over this demo of it and he stepped out of the vault into the world and I was like no fucking way there is no way they can make a game that massive that impressive that you know choice focused and whatever and I had to plead with my dad (laughs) to buy it for me because my mom wouldn't let me play 18 rated games back then so I sneakily got my dad to watch the trailer and said, oh, would, would you buy it for me? And he did. So I was lucky. Um, and I remember firing it up and I played it nonstop from the weekend. I got it from the Friday to the Sunday and I didn't do anything else except eat for dinner times. And that was it. And I just fell in love with the fucking game. I just absolutely adore the shit out of it. I went straight to Megaton. I interacted with a bunch of people took on a load of side quests ignored the main quest for absolutely ages i got absolutely lost in this world and who would have thought that a wasteland could have so much life and soul to it like it was just incredible to play and i know going back to it now the gunplay is janky as shit and doing melee attacks is absolutely worthless and all sorts and the bugs and the glitches at the time i must have just been too young to care but it it was atrocious and i know it was and then the dlcs came out and i just snapped them up immediately i just wanted more i never wanted that world that game that experience to end and it was the first time a game genuinely just blew my mind as to the size and the scope and i did like three playthroughs of it making all different decisions i was an asshole in one of them and it was amazing because i blew up megaton and watched it from the flat and saw this just nuclear apocalypse happen right in front of me and it's just epic and it's got a mini nuke launcher in the game you can literally just go and nuke anything that annoys you you know a companion or someone makes a comment turn around nuke them it's fine it's just so good that's the dream um, isn't it? that's the dream it's, it is like what more could you want in a game and you know as much as i liked new vegas fallout 4 i didn't appreciate as much but i'll always have fallout 3 and for me that's I'm quite happy with that i don't need the skyrims or you know the fallout 4s or whatever fallout 3 was enough for me yeah, that's Todd Howard. We're done. We're done. Just leave it. We're fine. Don't need any more. I uh, mean, Fallout 76 is a joke, so you know. Cat <laughs> uh, number four. Uh, number four for me is Baldur's Gate 2. Um, for me, that was my first. I was only about 10 when I started playing that. Um, and, well, I say 10. It was really, I was my dad's assistant on it. And then I played it for myself. Uh, it was my first, I guess, like entry into RPG, and I've never had a different. I've never had an experience like that since. I don't think any other game has managed to pull it off. I am both excited and devastated that Borders Gate Three is coming out because the excitement is real, but the fact that they've changed so much of the OG formula, like they're making it turn-based, they're doing a lot of the stuff because it's from the same people as Divinity Sin. Oh, that makes me sad but I, I guess I'm I'm hoping that I'll still love it but with Borders Gate there's it's, it's like the game is hundreds of hours long and I've never had the same game twice I've probably restarted that game well into the like double digits and I've never had the same team twice I've never made the same decisions and there are areas that I've never been to it is not possible for you to be able to absolutely explore everywhere because there are like locations that will kick you out if you're not the right class. Like it is just such an incredible game for a game that was made in the fucking nine, like 
whenever it was made, late 90s, noughties, to have that much depth and breadth. Yes, it probably wouldn't hold up looking amazing now, but I, I only played it, I replayed it back in uni with a friend and that was just so much fun because it even allowed you to kind of, whatever that word, Atlanta flipping friends. And it was just, yeah, it was really, really cool. And I don't think I'll ever, like, I love RPG for that. That's like... Made by Dungeons and Dragons. That's you know, smelly nerds. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So so that's fine. And uh, yeah, I love it. I would play it a hundred times more. And that's why it's so high on my list. Amazing. What's in the turning board's game? You should definitely. So the thing is, I think mm-hmm. if they played it now without not knowing it, they probably wouldn't like like it because there are such. But this game is just so, it doesn't give you any clues. It doesn't tell you fuck all. It doesn't tell you where anything on the map is. It doesn't tell you where you need to go or what you need to do. It has like a, a log book and, and that's that's your that's your path. Whatever you do next is up to you. But then sometimes you can be hours and hours and hours in and you don't have one key and then you're like, fuck, that's all the way back there and I have to redo it. But it's amazing. Okay. <laughs> Get your beast on it. <laughs> Greg. As it might go. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, another hipster choice. It's a SNES game called Illusion of Time. Uh, it came out similar to um, Zelda. That's got... such a fucking shout. What, Illusion of Time? Yeah, such a good game. Yeah, beautiful game. Um, I, again, played it because my uncle had it and he ended up giving me his copy of it. It's an action-based RPG. Well, no, sorry. It's an action-adventure game with RPG elements as such. I didn't realise as a kid, but... When you go through an area, you ha- if you kill all the enemies in the room, you then get a stat boost. So it'd be attack or defense, that kind of thing. Obviously, if you don't, you don't get anything. So if you just run through areas, not killing, you don't do it every time you clear it. It's only the first time you clear a room. Um, so yeah, I remember being like really weak come the end game of it. Uh, and the story's good. It's, it's got like real world locations set around like a mythical story. And, you know, you're learning about things like the Wall of China, Angkor Wat, the Incan temples, stuff like that. But then replaying it as an adult, uh, I realized just how well written the story is. It's Enix before Square Enix merged. Um, and obviously they did all Dragon Quest and stuff like that. But it's it's a beautiful story. And it made me well up at one point. Because I was like, wow, fuck. Like when you, there's a, there's a bit, I'm going to spoil it because it's a 25 year old longer game. But there's a bit where there's a pig that sacrifices himself by walking into a fire. Like an actual pet pig just walks into the fire. And obviously being a SNES like sprite, it's just like, <laughs> it's like <laughs> the pig's on fire. When you're an adult and you think, wow, that's like a noble sacrifice made by a pet. And stuff like that, and it's um, it sounds ridiculous explaining it, but that's not the bit that made me well up. But there's other parts in there. And there's a particular screenshot I love that's got the quote like that says, "Like I'll burn you into my memory," and I'm just like, "Wow, that's well written for a a SNES game," which I know is damning fine praise. But yeah, if anyone's got a chance to play it on emulation, then yeah, Illusion of Time or Illusion of Gaia, as it's called in America. But yeah, it's it's cracking, and it's got the best save room music ever because when you save it in, you speak to the guy who's like you're the person guiding you on the path, the fourth guiding on the path. And you save the game and it's like, do you want to continue? If you say no, you just enter like a sleep state in the save room and it just plays this beautiful music. I'll put it in the Slack later on. But yeah, it's just, it's calming. Hmm. And yeah, it's just, it's just one of my favorite games. I've still got my SNES copy up on my shelfy thing and the instruction manual. I've got two copies of the instruction manual, one with a cover, one without. Don't ask me why. No box. But yeah, cracking game. We're getting into a tour of all of your games at some point. It's not just, really that. I mean, I'll tell you what. Just a visual I'll, tour. I'll, I'll, put, I'll, put, I'll take a picture now and I'll put it in the Slack. It's not massive, but um, yeah. Anyway, that's number four, Karen. Carry on. 
Uh, number four for me, I knew I wanted an N64 game in there somewhere. Um, the problem with N64 games is, is of all now? the consoles games that don't age well, the N64 games have probably aged worse than every other console. But then I started thinking about Zelda, and I'm going to go mainstream and say Ocarina of Time, because yeah, that sure. was a game I wanted so badly that I started mowing freaking lawns. I started shoveling snow at Christmas. I wanted it so bad. Um, I remember the gold cartridge that it came on. It was absolutely amazing. Um, but it's all about it's all about running into Hyrule Field for the very first time, um, having that entire space open up to you, finding a opponent for the first time and just tearing it across Hyrule Field. Um, on my N64, I've never seen anything like it at the time, and it was unbelievable. And um, it was one. Of, it was the first RPG that I ever completed because I just I loved it so much. Um, <laughs> I remember getting very frustrated with the Water Temple, um, so much so that I that I broke. I broke my bed. Actually, I was I was I was like just damn it, it's so hard. I was only like twelve or thirteen, but I was so frustrated. But yeah, once the Water Temple finished, I mean, and the sort of the end game started to open up. It was just just astonishing and um i think it i think it rightly sits among kind of the the main the big lists of like the most important games of all time and um there's a reason for that because it's because it's fucking awesome um so yeah there we are uh number three miles something i already said it bloodborne it was uh same it was greg it was the one that got me into souls games i had to take a month-long break when i got to father gascoigne because he fucked me up so badly the first time i tried to beat him and then I went back to it and I didn't do anything else. I didn't touch any other game. I didn't play anything else. I didn't think about anything else. I almost ignored some of my uni work while I was playing it. And it was just so good. I just got so enraptured in the world. I watched dozens of videos of all the lore and the backstory and the understanding of all the endings. And the boss design is just unbelievable. Like it's some of the best boss design I think in any game ever full stop. I just think aesthetically the whole Lovecraftian thing is captured probably better than I think most games or most medium can do it. Um, and the idea of using like insight so that you start to see even crazier shit, the more you play, the more insight that you find and don't spend. And there's just so many levels to it. The quest design or the characters you can interact with, the PVP elements, you know, it's one of the few souls games i've actually done it without summoning anyone even cooperative partners or the npcs or anything and it was just yeah i still remember being stuck in the chalice dungeon fighting the old watchdog for an entire day and a half because i just couldn't beat it because it halves your health and one hit kills you and it was just disgustingly hard but i just loved every second of it and when i finally beat it, it was one of the most elated feelings i've had in a video game um so, yeah, as far as FromSoft goes, I thought about swapping it for Sekiro because Greg said Bloodborne, but I couldn't look past the fact that Bloodborne was the one that got me into it, and I still revere it the most to this day. So, yeah, Bloodborne. Bloodborne. I'm being such a dick about that, but if and when Bloodborne gets a 60 FPS patch on PS5, yeah, yeah I will be Top jumping in. And I'll be summoning you and we'll do it together. God damn it. Oh, I would fucking love that. <laughs> I would happily play through that game again. It was just, oh, it's so good. Cat, <laughs> uh, number three. I think I get a bit predictable from here on out. So my number yeah, three <laughs> is Horizon Zero Dawn. If I had oh, to pick yeah, one, it it's going to be the first one. Um, I mean, what can I say? It's a fucking great game. <laughs> it's like, yep, right, moving on. <laughs> yeah, literally the end, like... Uh, 
I, I, I don't know what to say. There's too much to say, isn't there? Um, I, I get it's really criticised lately for being boring, and I'm like, excuse you, there are robot dinosaurs in like the future and and colonies that need to exist because of the robot dinosaurs. Like, yeah. come on now, what's boring about that? But also, like visually, I don't know, I don't know who Gorilla have hired. I don't know what kind of stuff they must be paying them a lot of money because no game looks like that. Mm. No game looks like the way that Forbidden West does. And people are like, but Elden Ring's so pretty. No. Compare them side by side. Like, yeah. <laughs> I know I've got a lot of controversy. I can hear the voices in my mind. <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> it's incredible, though. I mean, it's, it's yeah. It's everything that you want, an open world adventure. It's not an RPG. Why is it being listed as an RPG? Well, there's that debate going on as well. But it's the, it's an incredible open world action adventure game yeah and she's badass as fuck she's she's one of the kind of titular characters of the playstation now so yeah. you know long live aloy all hell aloy yes uh greg number three number three number three number three i've lost my list number three is shadow of the colossus ah that's a great original choice original or remake well the original for what it did and then the remake for just improving on it yeah pretty yeah. much um yeah it it comes up in the whole game versus art thing, blah, blah, blah. I just thought it was incredible um, back on the PS2. Uh, the PS3 version is inferior because they added like unnecessary challenge to it, like the grip meter, blah, blah, blah. So don't play that version. Um, yeah, just at the time, I knew about Ico, didn't really play it, was working in Game Station, Shadow of the Colossus came in, bought it on a whim. I think I played it in two nights. Takes a while to get used to the concept of you are just free roaming, you're free roaming, you've got direction to go to, but yeah, you are set out in the world, go find the big thing. And it takes you a while to find the big thing. Not all the big things are big things, some of them are small things. Um, and then there's giant fucking flying horseback snake battle, you know, like flying battles. Um, music's amazing. Again, I've got the soundtrack on vinyl because I had to have it. Um, and then when they announced the PS4 remake from Blue Point, and I just thought, no, how can they do that? And it's fucking incredible. It looks beautiful and it runs at 60 FPS and you can have performance and enhancement modes and all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, if anyone hasn't played it, play it. It's, I don't want to say any more. I don't want to talk about the ending because it by saying that, that implies there's something about the ending. But no, it's just a fantastic and beautiful game. And it's just great to get lost and wander around as wonder. Yeah, it sure is. It's a wonderful experience. And uh, one that I didn't play until the remake, but it was, uh, yeah, it was incredible. Well, imagine that like back in 2006. Yeah, yeah, way ahead of its time, mm. I would imagine. Yeah, for sure. It just seemed Last Guardian was a bit weak. Mm, yeah, that was a. That was I think the, the bar was set from Shadow, though. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, number three for me. Uh, we've already talked about it, but uh, Tales from the Borderlands. Um, it's just a, just a, just just a stunning achievement. Um, and uh, can't wait for the sequel. Miles, number two. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Can't really argue with Tales, to be honest. Um, my next one is Near Automata. Um, I've spoken about it a couple of times on the pod, but I'm I glad know. you said Automata, not Automatic. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't. I don't. I don't feel like it sounds quite right. If you say Automata, so I'm always like, no. Um, this was a game that, like, you kind of said it earlier, Greg. One that you just bought on a whim, just because you'd heard something about it and just decided to give it a go and. That's what this game was. I saw it on a sale. It hadn't dropped in price for ages. And I thought, fuck it, 30 quid. That's the lowest it's been in like years. I'll take it. And I remember like starting up and starting to play it. And I was like, this is fun, but I don't get it. And then I came across, um, if you've played it, obviously you get to like the desert area, you go into the massive complex and you fight the first boss, where it's just this 
naked androids like weird looking thing and i was like what the fuck's going on now like what the hell's happening and then i was sucked in and that was it like after that point i was like right i'm invested i don't know what's going on here and then i got to the amusement park and the music kicked in and i was like this is great i can tell i'm in for like an, an incredible experience with this i couldn't get into it but i know people like toby's your man to talk to about it he sold me his he copy and it just didn't gel with me but i can appreciate what it did yeah it takes like the initial few hours feel strange because it's so weird in a way but it's kind of purposeful like that and then once you finish your first playthrough you then start your second then you realize there's a third you know there's 28 or something i think endings but some of them are quite short like snappy things you just do stupid things like if you start the second playthrough and just run off in the other direction the game's like oh the character ran off and didn't bother to help the other character so the game ended and it's like okay cool um, I like the ending that you can pull out your own GPU. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you do the upgrades via like implanting chips in yourself, and you can just take out your core processing unit, and you just die. Like that's that's was, an ending. Was there a trophy for it? Just an ending? I can't remember. Uh, no, you had to do all the endings. I just remember doing it. Like it's not going to end the game. Oh, I've ended the game. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Um, but the best thing about it is the narrative of it. So it's obviously done over the course of three campaigns. And each time you go into the second and third one, you get more pieces of the puzzle. You get a whole sense of what's happening. And it's so complex, but in a quite a followable way. And it just touches on like loads of themes of like humanity, what it is to be alive, what it is to be, you know, existing and all that kind of stuff. And it genuinely evokes some really strong emotional stuff through means that you just wouldn't expect. And again, I mentioned Life is Strange for its soundtrack, but I think Neural Automatons is probably my favorite video game for soundtrack ever um and the combat's obviously platinum games so you can't lose on that one either you get like this little robot that follows you around it can fire lasers and rockets and whatever you want um and at the end of the game you can even sacrifice your own save file to help somebody else complete the final section of the game so it's just really meta and i love it and it just really took me by surprise and it's one of those games that again i think is an essential play for anyone who can get their hands on it great show uh cat Number, Number two. two. Um, before I say this, I know this game isn't any everything, and I know this game is is not amazing. <laughs> um, and really, my top three is mostly based on impact, as opposed to like this game was so visually incredible or plays really well. The soundtrack was amazing. No, my second is the Purple Fucking Dragon, but I think my second. <laughs> but I don't think everybody has a starting point. And I think that the reason the Purple Dragon is second is because I wouldn't be still, and the same to go with my first as well, is that I wouldn't I wouldn't be in love with games if I hadn't have played them. And so they have to go at the top, regardless of what comes out in the future. Those will likely, my top two will always probably stay my top two because that's the reason that I am in love with games today. And that's the reason. And I remember Spyro, like I said, my, my, my PlayStation was my dad's. But Spyro was the first game I owned. That was mine that I got to play, you know, separate to watching my dad play or shoot things or do the platform. And Crash was his. Um, you know, Sonic was Sonic. Um, what was I just said? Tomb Raider was his. Uh, Grand Theft Auto number one was like was his. And so I got Spyro and I was like, and I remember thinking, oh, you know, I'm not bad at games. I, I can do this. I fucking love this. I could sit here all day and just collect gems and I could do this. And, you know, that's how it starts everyone has a story and that fucking dumbass dragon's mine <laughs> um so yeah i can't you can't just dump that out of your list so 
that'll always be there. He's a little cemented dragon that's, that's you know, and there's nothing amazing about the game. It's not bind-breaking. It hasn't got a fantastic twist. It's not a film. It's not even an animated series, you know, but it still pops up in games today. You know, there's still people who are absolutely diehard fans and it's likely not because of the gameplay. It's because of the impact it had on them as children. Mm. Um, and I think you should always bring that with you. You can't just, like Greg was saying, on his number eight, you know, it's it's not necessarily the game. It, it's the impact that it has on you. And yeah, it's just good to acknowledge. So yeah. bug up Spyro. There he is. Two. <laughs> it was only a matter of time. It was only a matter of time. Um, Greg, number two. Mel Gasol three. Oh, uh, just set miles by the looks of it. <laughs> um, it's my personal favorite, just because one was mind blowing, two was wacky bananas story wise, and three just really grounded it, made it the pseudo open world slash corridor gameplay that we knew before it made that big switch from like Code Walker and um, sorry Peace Walker to five yeah it's it's just cracking like it revolutionized stealth gameplay by having like the whole camo index um the fact that it, it, it missed me by the first time with remember the ps2 had like the, the pressure sensitive buttons mm-hmm. whereas the d-pad did as well so obviously i think i'm sneaking up to people with a thumbstick um tippy toe and it's not you've actually got to hold the d-pad to walk even slower to minimize the footstep noise um took me a while to figure it out and then, of course, they brought out a subsistence version, which made the camera angle from sort of top down that you could free roam the camera, as we now expect in a lot of third-person shooters. But it wasn't revolutionized in Metal Gear Solid 3, but it was a massive, massive boost to being able to see how much detail that Kojima and Konami put into that game that you never saw the first time because it was top down. Obviously, you'd go first person. But yeah, just it really brought out like the, the auteur in Kojima, just the detail that he puts in his games. And the story is it's still Metal Gear Solid Bananas, but it's like right bananas. So it's not too over the top. It's not like fucking completely asinine like some of the plot threads are in that series. It's just, it's great. And it's got some of the best cutscenes ever. And I think Miles is probably going to have this on his next thing as well. So he's going to carry on with that. But yeah, Metal Gear Solid 3. It's my favourite one of the series. I play, I put more time into Metal Gear Solid 5, but Metal Gear Solid 3 was what really just brought it back for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I had a feeling Metal Gear would be on there somewhere for you. Yeah. Nice. Uh, my number two, uh, My I think my one and two are very predictable, but uh, my number two is, um, of course, Night in the Woods. It's um, just a... Again, you know, it's not everyone's cup of tea. Um, it's a game that hit me harder than any other game has emotionally, um, mentally. It was something that I couldn't put down from from beginning to end and one that I've played and replayed since on different consoles. Um, I own it on every system I have and it's something that I just completely adore. And it's And it's purely because I saw myself in the lead character and that's not something that you can say about a lot of video games a lot of video games you want to see yourself as a hero or a you know a legend or something like that you know and and that's and that's awesome but like when you ground it like the way night in the woods is you know when you see it and, and you see yourself reflected in a character i think that's when gaming becomes something almost transcendental it's something that i wasn't expecting from this game about a um anthropomorphic cat who drops out of college and goes back home 
And, you know, I never dropped out of college, but I understand that feeling of returning home with very little and, you know, with sort of like your tail between your legs, having, having not succeeded where you thought you were going to. Um, but building up your own legend and a new legend in a completely different way. And that's the beauty and the wonder of Night in the Woods. And it's, it's something that I could write essays on forever. <laughs> you know, the, the impact and the meaning behind it for me. It's a um, it's it's a magical experience, and it's one that I would cherish forever. Um, and I feel myself actually winning up, so I'm going to move on. Uh, Miles, number one, your favorite game of all goddamn time. Craig fucking spoiled it, man. You fucking spoiled it. <laughs> well, to be fair, I really struggle with this because obviously Metal Gear was going to be my number one. I just had to decide which one, which was impossible because I love all of them for very different reasons. But I'd narrowed it down to it was going to be two or three. And then I thought, fuck it, I'll go with three because it is the most grounded and it is the one that really taught me stuff about like... How to eat snakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like how to pull bullets out of your own body and then bandage it, you know? Um, But in fairness, I can easily talk about two because two was the first one I played and it was very like... It was at the stage of life where I was starting to realise that the world's not very black and white. So I was still quite young. And I always remember there's a bit in like a codec conversation between um, Raiden and Snake right towards the end where Raiden's like, oh, but you're the hero. And he's like, there's not there's not a lot of difference between a hero and a madman. And at the time I was like, fuck, what? And I remember going to my dad and being like, I just had this. What do you think? And my dad just laughed and was like, oh, you think that's so deep, don't you? That's cute. Um, and you're a just... retool story. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously I've been like studying psychology and stuff now. I look at that and I'm like, fucking hell, that's like, you know, not that deep whatsoever, you know? Um, but at the time it started to open my eyes of like what, you know, a hero or, you know, a terrorist is or whatever. And the whole game centered around this idea of narrative and controlling information and truth. And it's one of those things where I didn't understand half of what was going on, but I picked up points that taught me a lot and that I used to then help understand stuff, you know? And MGS2, I think I played it 15, 16 times. I bought the Substance Edition, played all the extra stories. I did it on every difficulty. I got every dog tag on every difficulty. Like, it was mm. insane. I, I had so much time as a kid, way too much on the PS2 era. Um, and I just fell in love with it. I can still play it through today. I know where everything is, like, where all the collectibles are. And as much as I think MGS3's story is better, because, like, you talked about, Greg, it's so much more grounded. The ending is just fucking heartbreaking i cried my eyes out for days at that um and i think the story of the boss and snake was just incredibly well done i think that's probably one of the times kojima's got a female character so right because he very rarely does but with the boss he absolutely nailed that character um and yeah but i could even say one you know i played mgs1 and it was incredible for its time what it did how it revolutionized how you play games and 3d stealth action and all sorts and i just it was such a pioneering series. And then when I got subsistence, I then played hundreds of hours of Metal Gear Online because it was fucking awesome. And it's just everything about those games is unbelievable to me. And it was just at the time of my life where I was figuring stuff out, learning stuff, and those games were part of that education, I guess, if you will. So I'll always be loyal to Kojima for that reason. And yeah, I think MGS3 is one everyone should play if they pick one, but MGS2 is the one that started it off and the boss battles are fucking cool. So yeah, I'd go have with. You, have you seen that uh, physical copies of Metal Gear Solid 1, 2, and 3 have gone up in price now because they've been delisted on digital stores? Oh, I've still got my MGS1. 
I've Somewhere. no, I've got my PS3 copy of the Metal Gear Collection. Yeah, I've still got that. Which too. is the one? Yeah. Which is the one that doesn't have Peace Walker? Which is really oh. annoying. <laughs> yeah, because their logic was because it came out on PSP. Oh, I think mine does have Peace Walker on it. Oh, have you got the Legacy Collection? Mm, I don't think so. I think my HD collection did have Peace Walker. I'm pretty sure oh, I played sorry. it. Sorry, I think it's the Xbox. Go to Cat. I'm going to go and have a look. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's a lot. I'm just going to double check now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I could have picked any of the Metal Gears, but I just think 3 was the best one. It was my favourite game of all time as a standalone title, but 2, I could quite happily say that one as well. So it was going to be... Oh, wait, I'm talking shit. Yeah, it's on there. <laughs> I thought so. I was like, I'm certain I've got loads of trophies on it. I played it loads. <laughs> there you go. Cat, uh, your favourite game of all time. Uh, my favourite game of all time is Miss Lara Croft in Tomb Raider. If Which you want one? to be really specific, it's the second one. Um, I think Tomb Raider 2 is the best one. Tomb Raider 2, yeah. Where have you, you've got Venice, you've got the monastery, you've got the dragon at the end, um, you've got the Great Wall of China. Like That's the one that a lot of people talk about. They, like, the first one's like the one where you start in the snow in the mountains. But you know when you think about OG Tomb Raider, a lot of people say, oh yeah, like traveling the Great Wall of China. That's the second one. And yeah. <laughs> the second one, dickhead. The second on. one. The second one with the fucking dinosaur. The random ass dinosaur in the, in the fucking first. Yeah. Uh, but that was because it was probably like the fa- when you're a kid and you're a girl, you kind of get told that at school, boys are going to bully you and boys are going to pick on you and you know then you're gonna kiss chase or you're gonna kicked in the ass whatever it is and um <laughs> I remember thinking to myself oh my god my dad wants to play a game where the like the the female is a girl like that's really cool um and I remember for world book then it just had a really profound effect for me and I remember being so young and being so good at this game that my dad used to bribe me and say if you can get me past this level you can stay up and I was like fuck yeah and it's a core memory of me and my dad in Tomb Raider 3 that I got him down to the submarine and the, the um, you know, the middle bit that holds the disc in a console, it flew off and we didn't have a save diamond because in Tomb Raider 3, it has the bullshit of save diamonds. Um, yeah, it, it's just been an iconic, such an iconic game for me growing up. Um, I absolutely loved it. I clung to it like putty sticky tape whatever the fuck you want to call it like when you throw I don't know I just clung to it like glue I really did Um, and I remember in World Book Day I convinced myself and my parents that because Tomb Raider shows up in magazines that that counts as a book and I remember my mum saying okay you can go as Lara Croft World Book Day and I remember me and my mum staying up to gaffer tape water pistols to bring them in in year four and I, you know, that, like, how's that not anyone's favourite game when you've gone that far? And everyone goes, who the fuck are you? <laughs> you know, and everyone's dressed as fucking Shrek or Winnie the Pooh. And I'm like, I'm fucking Tomb Raider. And I'm going <laughs> to, and people are like, what's that? And I'm like, well, it's this badass game, this badass girl. And it did, like, when reading that book, it broke, you know, the, the genre that the guy is always the hero. And who doesn't want to be, like, who doesn't want to be kind of behind that? forever it's still in the 30s i'm excited for the next one i'm still glad it's going it's like the female james bond they just don't fucking stop um yeah and so through impact but it's also a great game it's it's a fucking cool game they're hard as balls if you were to go back to the og ones they're really hard because they don't tell you 
what you need to do whereas I found the newer ones quite kind of hand-holding they're like oh you've got this sense where everything lights up gold in the, in the second one you're like now you're going to click a button and then you're going to have 30 seconds but you don't know it's 30 seconds because there's not even a, a sound visual uh, a sound bite or sound clip that tells you oh the door that's behind this wall around the corner in the dark put the flare on is closing how people work that out by themselves I mean I obviously did with my dad but we wouldn't do that now we're all too like we'd all rage quit we'd all be like it's fucking game of shit it's not telling me anything I press this button for nothing um and it's just grown and evolved and and become an amazing series and an amazing impact on gaming so she's my number one give us that Tomb Raider 2 remake Whisper Dynamics no you want to yeah yeah you do you do <laughs> alright uh, Greg what other series do I bang on about that I haven't actually mentioned yet <laughs> Uh, let's see. Mario Kart. <laughs> that famous, infamous <laughs> umbrella item in Mario Kart. Resident <laughs> Evil. Which one? Resident Evil 2. Oh, yeah. Of course. Leon! It's because... because four, but... uh, yeah, no, just one One was the first game I... First game I played on the PlayStation was Resident Evil. Just at a friend's house. Didn't realize we weren't supposed to play it. And it was great. And then two came out and just, yeah, everything about it was just so much better. And obviously when you're about 98, when you're a 12 year old, it's like the level of gore is amazing when you can pop heads with the shotgun, which you could do on the first one. Yes. But then when you get the enhanced shotgun and you shoot some of the waist and it separates the two and you're like, Oh, this is cool. Um, you used to be able to speed run it. You used to, be able to do it in just under two hours. Leon A's campaign. Can't do it for oh. shit now. I remember when I got a PS Vita and put them on there, I had to look at a guide, but it's just, an incredible leap in what a series can do uh, from one to two. And I know it had a revision and it was 1.5 and blah, blah, blah. I just didn't know all about that years ago. Um, just thought it was the next carry on continuation of it. And uh, yeah, absolutely love it to death. The, the cheesy voice acting, the, the, the ham fisted, literally trying to, when they're talking, they're all pointing at each other with, you know, Ocarina of Time style hands. Um, it was just incredible. And the fact that they had two campaigns per character and, the, the, the massive switch up in between the two which is why i was so excited for the remake and i don't hold remake in any above or below i hold them next to each other because it's a take on it rather than a remake there's there's things missing there's that kind of shit you know like the fact that the tyrant in the first one didn't appear until scenario b for example um rather than being a persisting presence throughout the you, you don't know about him the first time you do a campaign a so when you do leon a or claire a for example when you start b and then you see it being airdropped in. You're like, oh, this this changes things up a little bit. And B was the harder campaign, whereas in the remake, it's more of the same. Yeah, just Resident Evil 2 is just, for me, one of my favorite games. Because, well, it inspired me to get the tattoo, obviously. You know, yeah. it's my favorite game in that series. I love the lore. You know, I, I was excited for the film, and then I wasn't when I watched it. Um, <laughs> and obviously, like, I played a lot of spin-offs at the time. I was I was so invested in the final, in the, final the Resident Evil lore. I played like Gun Survivor, um, played Outbreak, even though we had no online connectivity over here, which made it suck. You know, I love Code Veronica because of my love for the series and people always rag on that one. Over the years, my, my love is kind of, I haven't even played Village yet and stuff like that. Like to me, the series has gone nutter off the rails, but like I love the first four or five main games, like one, two, three, Code Veronica, four. Um, they're collectively because of my love of resident evil 2 that made me want to 
further on that for the series. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm looking forward to playing Resident Evil 2 Remake again when they release the free update for people that have got Resident Evil 2 on PS4. Yeah. Yeah, not too far away now, is it? No. No, yeah, very cool. I was going to say, it'd be nice if we get a review code of that because we got a review code of Resident Evil 2. No, we didn't. I reviewed that, though, didn't I? Um, we three. got Resident Evil okay, 3. Four. We got 3. Yeah. But then I was thinking, oh, it'd be nice to get a code, but then I don't have to worry because I'm going to have the free update anyway. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Exactly. I'm going to be like, review is more to the same, looks great. Yep. It's shinier. The end. Yeah. Um, and well, yours. Shocking, absolutely no one. I know what it is. <laughs> Sonic 2. Sonic 2 is my favorite game of all time. It's a game that I play at least once a month from beginning to end. Um, I can get it done now. I think 40 minutes, I think, is my is my quickest so far now. Yeah. Um, the first level I can... I've always wanted to match. There's a guy called Justin Tao. Greg will know who this guy is. I know Justin um, and he's got the Guinness World Record for the Sonic to first level for 21 seconds. And I can I can match it, but I can't beat it. And it's really annoying me. Um, but uh, yeah, I remember telling him and he was like, oh man, I'm so proud of you because he's, he's such a lovely guy. But yeah, Sonic 2 is just, it's the first game that I've played and completed really, I think. I'm pretty sure. I just love it. Um, I know it backwards and it's it's a comfort thing now. It's like if I'm in a bad mood, I'll just whack on Sonic 2. And I'll cheer myself up all over again, exploring the Death Egg and freaking Tails. Tails, man, freaking Tails. Tails is just a legend. And so, yeah, Sonic 2. Is How did Fortnite not make that so on you, your top you've 10? Probably, you've probably bought as many different Sonic 2 versions as I have of Resident Evil 4. For sure. And I'll do it again in June when Sonic Origins comes out. Can't, cannot wait. Um, How did Fortnite not make my top 10? Because it's not a top 10 game. It's not one of my favorite games of all time, I don't think. Um, it's just a game that I enjoy playing. Ah. Um, I, I understand its uh, limitations, and it's not it's not quite there yet. Yeah, it's going to have to do something pretty major to to come up against the likes of what remains of Edith Finch. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's yeah. That, that, I've only played that game like twice, once on PlayStation, once on Xbox, but it has a resounding effect on me. But it wouldn't say it's like something I'd go back to. Mm. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not aching to play Edith Finch again. I felt like that experience was uh, was kind of like a one and done. But it was a hell of an experience. <laughs> uh, right, well, there you go then, ladies and gentlemen. Those are, are our top 10 video games of all time. Um, do let us know if you have any of your top 10s. If you figured out your top 10. I think these guys were figuring it out as we went tonight. But we got there in the end. Um, and uh, yeah, um, that, yeah, that was awesome. It's always great to hear about great games and the reasons why people love them so much. I'm going to finish off very quickly with Out This Week. And then we are out of here. Out This Week, April 26th. Uh, the Serpent Rogue is coming to PC and PS5. Uh, Galactic Civilizations 4 is also coming out, uh, well, today, well, yeah, um, as, uh, as you're listening to this, because um, it is going up on the evening that we record. Uh, April 27th, Vampire the Masquerade Blood Hunt? That's out tomorrow? What? Damn. I didn't know that. I thought that was ages away. I thought that was like May. Oh, well, there you go. Well, there you go. Uh, uh, I suppose it be, is nearly May. That could be early <laughs> access. Um, I will, uh, I will, I will double check that. That's uh, hmm, interesting. Um, April twenty eighth also sees Bugs next come to Xbox Series X and Switch. Um, fruit salad, fruit salad. Um, also, of course, coming to uh, Xbox Game Pass. Um, Rogue Legacy two is coming to Switch and Xbox Series X. Um, if you haven't played uh, Rogue Legacy, go and do it. It's awesome. Uh, Sherlock Holmes Chapter one is coming to PS four. 
but not to Xbox One. It's been cancelled for Xbox One. They announced that this week um, because they can't get it to run on the OG Xbox One, um, which is something that they've just openly admitted, which is kind of wild. Um, April 28th, I was begging for this and I didn't know it was happening. The House of the Dead remake is coming to PC, Xbox One and PlayStation. Um, it was originally on Switch just for a week or two, I think. Um, but yeah, if you want to get back into House of the Dead, now is your chance. It's coming to uh, every system. And of course, April 29th sees the release of Nintendo Switch Sports, which is the brand new um, Wii Sports type thing that's coming to um, it's coming to Switch. And it looks pretty good. And we do have a preview of that game, weirdly, on the 150th episode of the Feeding Yards podcast. So if you do want to check that out, uh, one Chris Scullion was on the podcast talking about that. So uh, head back if you want to see what he thinks of it so far. Uh, but yeah, that's it. Thank you all very much indeed, ladies and gentlemen. Don't forget, you can follow us absolutely everywhere. Just go to the, the link tree in the description below to find us in all the places. If you really like what we do, want to follow our Patreon for $1 a month. You can keep this podcast live on its various podcast services and keep the website nice and shiny. But until then, it is goodbye from Loft in Softlock. Laters. It is goodbye from in Miles' Nightmare. We'll see you later. And it's goodbye from Greg Bourne. Bye. And it's goodbye from me. I've been Roscoe. We'll see you next time on the Vingas Podcast. Bye.